In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. You guys, welcome to an all-new So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and we need to talk about BravoCon. Now, I know I've given you a little taste here and there, but we need to go through the entire weekend. I know some of you followed on the Patreon, so you got updates throughout the weekend, but I got to tell you guys the insanity of this weekend and how much fun it was. It was so joyous, 30,000 people out there smiling, having a great time, but it truly was a Coachella. It was Coachella. I went to 13 Coachellas and nothing is as intense as a BravoCon. Now, of course, last year, you know that I went to BravoCon in New York and it was uh, truly an amazing experience, but this was so much more organized. It was so well done. The convention center, it didn't smell anything like the Javits Center by Sunday when it just smelled like like chicken fingers and Kyle Cook's mullet, you know? <laughs> but I, also, I want to tell you, I got to do the coolest thing this weekend. Uh, our friends at DirecTV, I got to tweet for them on Sunday. I get to make an Instagram video for them, and they've just always been great. Now, uh, DirecTV had a huge presence last BravoCon. I just want to remind people how big they were last uh, last year at BravoCon. They had the night before party where Kathy Hilton did a conga line. I got to meet Teresa Giudici and talk to her, and she took a picture with me with the cop without a badge book. Uh, Whitney from uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City was there. Ashley Dar- Darby was there. It felt another like one of those out of body experience moments. And I was even interviewed by Newsweek about this Direct TV party because I was like, "What is this life that I'm doing a conga line with Kathy Hilton right now?" It was truly a magical moment. So I was so happy to be able to represent. DirecTV this year again. And what I really am actually proud about in anything that I get to represent is that I use DirecTV service. I've used DirecTV now for like six years and it's kind of incredible because I get to bring it anywhere with me. Like I bring the box with me when I go to see my dad when I'm in the guest room. I get to pull it up online. I can watch the shows here. And what I told you during my Salt Lake recap last week was that I'll pull up DirecTV because you can access it from your computer as well. And I'll play like Real Housewives of Salt Lake City while I'm recapping the podcast. So for me, it's ingenious. Uh, It is truly a amazing, but it's all your favorite live TV shows, news. And also remember local channels are always included at no extra cost. Now, direct TV Gemini, you could bring your favorite apps and channels together in one place. So this is cool. Like if I want to watch max, if I want to go to Peacock and watch all the BravoCon coverage, 
you can do that directly in the DirecTV um, app. You, you, you can go to that super easy. It's easy access to all the streaming apps like Netflix and Max, so you don't have to switch back and forth between inputs to watch your streaming services. It's, it's all in one place. I'm telling you, it is so easy to use. You can also instantly access a vast library of 60,000 on-demand shows and movies. Listen, I'm just watching Housewives nonstop, anything Bravo, and it seems to be, there's like potentially 60,000 of those right now. Uh, so watch TV wherever you go with the direct TV app. I have it on my phone. I have it on my iPad. It's everywhere. So get direct TV with or without satellite. Uh, I think it is truly an amazing service. And I was so proud to be able to tweet for them or, oh, sorry, not tweet. We, I X'd for them. I X'd for direct TV and I got to go there and watch all the panels on Sunday and tweet about Erica Jane at her Pat the Puss panel. That's literally what it was called, you guys, where we did dance moves with her and Mikey Minden. I got to talk about the Ultimate Girls Trip Roni panel, which was insane. We got to see the trailer. I put that up on there. But thank you to DirecTV for letting me work with you guys again. Uh, I will never forget that party from last year, and I will not forget this for a long time to come. Thank you, DirecTV, for making my life so much easier in watching these shows. But now, let's get ready for a full BravoCon 2023 recap. And also remember, you guys, that uh, this is also a Real Housewives of Salt Lake City recap from this week's episode, which was insane. It was the, uh, I mean, that last battle between Monica and Lisa Barlow. I haven't seen anything like that since Star Wars with Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. It was like a battle for the ages. It was like, Monica was like, <laughs> you're not my mom. Yes, I am, Luke. Monica, I am your mother. It was so intense, you guys. So remember, there are timestamps if you want to skip ahead. Uh, remember, listen to this show however you want to listen to it. But I want to talk a little bit about BravoCon. Now, I already did this um, yesterday. I did a whole full recap. And like I keep saying, it just got so garbled. It's so, that's so frustrating, you guys, when that happens. But I fixed it. I took my computer apart. I took my mic apart. So now we are supposedly good to go. But wow. God, I hate technology. Really, it does not. It does not bring us closer together. It just literally gives you just gigantic head, head headaches on the regular. So, BravoCon 2023. I talked about 2022 at the top of the show last year. All that crazy stuff. But 2023, you know, I got to tell you, I was really scared going into it because I've been emotionally spent since everything happened with my mom, and I was really just wondering if I could do it. Like, I just wasn't looking forward to it in the way. I, like, I would get excited here and there, but I was overall just kind of really scared if I could get through it um, because it just seemed so exhausting. And believe me, it was exhausting, but it was also so amazing. And the further I get away from it, the more rewarding it gets and the little memories I have that I make. And like I said at the beginning, my main story coming out of this was that it was way less dramatic than last year in terms of just the fights. Remember, like, Joey Gorga and Jennifer Aiden in the hotel lobby? You had all of these things. But this year, what I really what really was impressed upon me was how good of a time everybody was having and I just it'll never get old of people coming up and say they listen to the show I mean or, or they would come up and just talk about my mom and and that to me I know it's not that exciting in terms of the Bravo sphere but for me personally it was so rewarding to be able to text my dad and my sister and go hey everybody's brought up mom and and uh you know and and I thought that was just so uh, so great and you know, it, it, it's great. There's not really much more to say about it. So anyways, I got in on Wednesday night to Vegas. I came in hot, 
got there, I did a podcast with Mary Payne Gilbert from Pink Shade Podcast on her show. And then I went immediately to the hotel room and started working on the Salt Lake recap from last week. So already just really partying like a Vegas rock star. And um, after that, I met Mary Payne and uh, Ingrid, the producer on Pink Shade, for uh, a drink at the Caesar Lounge. And that was nice. And then went back up and worked more on the podcast. Exciting recap so far. And then Thursday happens. And Maritza got in on Thursday. But uh, I just walked around Vegas, kind of saw some sights, tried to get some steps in, you know, healthy stuff. Um, and then the whole thing kind of led up to that, that day for that day was the Jeff Lewis pre-party and the Jeff Lewis pre-party. I mean, it kind of ruined me for the entire Bravo weekend because it was just insane. Now I, I got a new sports jacket downtown. It was like this nice little like dark maroon thing with like elbow patches. And I tried to look all spiffy and I got to the Delano hotel, which is where they put all the Bravo liberties at. It's a much smaller hotel. It's nice, but it doesn't have the foot traffic that say like a Caesar's palace does. So I, um, I got there early just to make sure if I was sweating that I would have time to like hide in a corner and stop sweating before I went up to this party. Cause I didn't know what to expect. So I get there and I, immediately see like Austin and, um, no, not Austin. Yeah. I, I saw Craig and Shep. No. Yeah. Craig and Shep. I saw Craig and Shep in the lobby. I saw DJ James Kennedy with his mom walking through the hallway. I talked to Mercedes MJ from uh, Shaw's and that was great. Cause we know each other and she's always awesome. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to wait in the lobby. There's like a little open aired coffee, coffee bar. And I'm li- li- just looking down at my phone. And all I heard, um, was, uh, I heard this, yeah, dude, I saw you too last night, man. They rocked it, dude. And I realized I'm 10 feet away from Tom Scandival Sandoval. And I was like, oh my God, of course. Like right at the beginning of BravoCon, I bump into this guy and I'm like, I can't do this. I cannot do this. So I do what any man does. I just run. I run 20 feet away and I hide in a corner and I don't think he saw me. And I was like, I just, I wasn't ready to have that conversation. And I probably won't be. I just, it's not, you know, but then I was like, oh man, this is just, you know, kind of like, oh God, I don't know what, if I want to see this. And then I was like, oh, if, you know, and then I, you know, like I just saw Craig and I was like, should I go up to Craig and ask him to unblock me for all those memes I made about him? And I, it was just wild, but I was already like really nervous. So I go up to this party. I'm one of the first people there. Jeff Lewis, really nice. His, uh, his, his main guy, Shane Douglas was there. I got to meet Doug, one of the chumps. He was really nice. I got to meet him for the first time. And it was really nice. The first Bravo Liberty to come in was Madison LaCroix and her manager. And it was great. I got to talk to Madison and her manager for a while. I talked to Madison and her manager for a while. They were so nice. And Madison was telling me about that storyline because I said it was so, what an interesting, uh, really powerful scene when her son got bit by that bully and it was just really kind of emotional. And I thought, the, you know, it's really good to have those counterbalances to like all the guy drama on Southern Charm. She was like, you don't even know the half of it. I, you know, what you didn't see is the cameras got me. I got in my car and I went and tracked down this boy. And, they, you know, I was on a ring camera going, I'm Madison LaCroix. I need to talk to your son. I was like, no way. I love all the stuff that Bravo sits on all the stuff that you're like oh my god you have that I need to see that footage now but she was great loved it she had to go to this Raising Cane's event that I was supposed to cover but I wanted to go to the party instead they were like oh show up and we'll pay you some money if you post some things about it and I did that before for Ariana but I really wanted to do this party and see what it's all about now thank god for Ronnie Karam from Watch What Crappens because he was there and I got to hang out with him the whole time and he kind of took away my nerves being able to walk around with him and he was always so 
great because he was like, let's go talk to people. Let's go up to people. And, you know, it was great. Like Dorinda was there. Uh, Dorinda was there. Vicky Gunvalson walked in. Phaedra, Emily and Shane. And I told you guys a little bit about this, but like Shane actively listens to So Bad It's Good. He was telling me like parts of my recap from last season. And he was like, you, you your John Jansen imitation is amazing because my imitation of John Jansen is I'm John Jansen. I'm John Jansen. And he was like, that was great. It was hysterical. I was like, this dude really knows. Cause he even said, he was like, I'm so sorry about your mom and your dog. Like he knew both my mom and dog had died. And I was like, Oh wow. I was really, I mean, but it was really actually very touching. Um, got into a great conversation with Uba from Real Housewives of New York. She's going to come on the show soon. Uh, but she was lovely. She taught me how to take a picture. So I look more modely and, um, let's, it didn't work. It didn't work, but she was so nice. Uh, Kelly, uh, Kelly Ben Simone from Real Housewives of New York. I talked to her and I said, Hey, listen, I'm always, when I'm in New York, I'm always looking at the streets, seeing to seeing if I can see you running. And I don't think if she, I don't think she understood that. I don't think she understood that was a joke, uh, but she was really nice. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Gertie from Real Housewives of Miami was nice. We got into a conversation. She looks beautiful with the bald head. She's cancer free folks. Uh, it was just, but it was like a who's who. And then Andy Cohen walks in and you should have seen, it was like moths to a flame for these housewives. Whitney was there. I said hi to Whitney and Justin, uh, Meredith Marks was there. I got into a conversation with Meredith. I didn't tell her I was a podcaster or I say anything about her. Cause I was like, hey, can you tell me you can leave? But she was super nice. Everybody was great. Cy came in and I was like, I don't need to talk to Cy from New York, but okay. Um, no, everybody was great. And Jeff was like, knew, know, knew that I wanted to uh, meet Sutton. You know, like I had a really disastrous meeting with Sutton last night where I just sweated. Like uh, you saw that picture. My eyes are closed, just sweating profusely, real geek, real loser status. And he was like, no, no, it's going to be great. And the party was from five to eight. And then me and Ronnie were going to Amy Phillips Cabaretini, which was excellent over in old town, Vegas. So, um, I'm trying to think what, Oh, talked to Kate Chastain a lot. I got to meet, um, I got to meet, uh, I'm trying to say, Oh, Megan Weaver, who is on Jeff Lewis's show. Uh, yeah, like I said, Dorinda, Phaedra. I mean, I'm trying, I'm missing out on so many people. It was just, they were just coming in nonstop. And I was like, this is wild. It was, and this is like the night before BravoCon. And this was already BravoCon. And everybody's taking pictures. Everybody looks beautiful. The glam is just next level. Um, it was really, really wild. The only person that was kind of rude to us was me and Ronnie. We're talking to Kristen Takeman from Ronnie. And she asked what we did. And, and we said podcast. And she was like, oh God. And like, kind of walked away. And I think she, I don't know. I don't think he was purposely being mean, but it was just one of those weird moments where we were like, okay. And then finally at the very end, we were have to leave. And all of a sudden Sutton walks in, like we're talking like eight o'clock Sutton walks in and Jeff's like, Ryan, Ryan, like spots me. He's like, come here, come here. And Jeff's like, Ryan has a very successful podcast and, uh, he really wants to meet you. And I was like, oh my God, Sutton, I just want to say I'm a huge fan of yours. I love you. Like, this is like a make a wish moment for me. And Sutton was like, oh my God, really? This is your make a wish? And I was like, no, 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 I'm not, no, no. And then I was like, oh my God, you fucking idiot. You said that stupid joke again that you shouldn't be saying. And then Sutton really did think I was sick. And I was like, no, 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 I'm just saying I'm a, it's just a stupid joke. And she's like, well, okay, I mean, it's just weird. And she's like, okay, so what, you know, what, you know, like you won't get a picture. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. And then she's like, no, we got to get a picture, you know? And then she's like, no, we got to get over here in the bar Latin. We got to come over here. Um, come on with me. And Ronnie came over with me and Ronnie finally got a picture. I posted it on Instagram. It was great. I 
was not sweating at all. So that's called growth, folks. That's called growing up. Um, but then we got in this funny conversation with Sutton, me and Ronnie, where Sutton was like, yeah, I mean, they made, our, they made us write our own taglines because I asked about Santos, her horse. I was like, how is Santos? Oh, Santos. Oh, I know Santos knows me by the smell of my perfume. And I'm like, of course, I'm sure Santos does. I love Santos. And I got to meet Avi, her assistant that puts out all the china. And he was really nice. And um, then he was, she was like, well, I don't know about all this fighting. You know, I say, I say, I mean, we're put on this earth to have fun, to have a good time. You know, I'm trying to do that. She talked about Jennifer Tilly, her friend, almost being a housewife. But Jennifer Tilly, like, it's just too mean. You guys are all just fighting too crazy. And it was just really fun conversation. And, uh, you know, she's like, okay, you do a podcast. What kind of, what kind of podcast? And, uh, I was like, oh, it's just like pop culture. And you know, she's like, oh, I just listened to murder mystery podcast. And finally she asked Ronnie about his podcast at the very end we were leaving. And he's like, she's like, what's your podcast about? And, and Ronnie goes, we make fun of you. Bye. And we walk out. It was so funny. And then we went over to Cabra Amy and Cabra Amy Phillips was just so damn talented. I didn't know what to expect, but it was just excellent. And I got to meet so many people there. Folks, summer is just around the corner. So it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And luckily I I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It was just great. And I was like, man, this is starting off amazing. And then I get back and uh, a downside of Caesars Palace on a Thursday, they don't do room service anymore. And their room service, like they just deliver food at your door. They don't like roll in anything anymore. Like the old fashioned thing. Maybe that's a COVID thing. Who knows? But, uh, it was truly, uh, it was just, so I was like all of a sudden like tipsy from all these free drinks. And then I'm trying to find food and I end up only getting like this mini thing of Pringles that cost $16 from the hotel bar. Cause I'm just like, I gotta eat something. And then I go to sleep around three, wake, I have to wake up at like six 30, me and Medita both had to wake up cause she had to go get her press pass. <coughs> and, um, and then, uh, I have to go to this Clorox blowout dry bar thing that I was invited to. I told you guys about this last week. I didn't know guys could get blowouts, but they were like, yeah, you can. 
it's 7 a.m. at the Cosmopolitan, but I was like, yeah, of course. And then, you know, you're thinking when you're getting a couple hours of sleep, like, what an idiot. What did I sign up for? But I went there. The people at Clorox were very nice, very amazing. Got my hair done. They used this thing called a diffuser in my hair, and it, it seems like it worked. My hair looked decent all weekend, and they gave, like, like orange juice and a little breakfast, and I got to meet a lot of other content creators. I got to see Up and Adam live again. I love him. Chef Stu was there. Uh, bravo, babe. Your moms are watching. Real moms are Bravo. Um, I love that I call all content creators by their content creator name. Like, I don't know their real names. I'm like, yeah, that's Bravo, babe. That's uh, Real Moms of Bravo. Like, I just, I don't even, I just call them by their account name. Uh, but that was great. Took a lot of pictures and then left that and went directly to BravoCon. And I just got to say, it was just so much better in terms of the ins and the outs. And I got right in, but the coolest thing, and I know this, this doesn't, I'm not, this is not braggy, but it's just such a really cool thing was like, I got in line in the, this VIP line and people started coming out to me that listened to the show and wanted a picture. And I was like, this is the coolest. I don't know how that would ever get old. I was, cause I was, I'm always freaked out if somebody comes up to me like, Oh my God, do I have a booger? What's going on? Like, is, is my, are my pants down? And it was just really, really nice. And it was so nice to, uh, to meet so many people this weekend and so many people I didn't get to meet. I'm so bummed. I'm sorry if one of those people were you, I'll make that up for you next year. But it was truly, I mean, those are the things that I'll just on my deathbed think about of like how cool that kind of stuff is to hear so many people say I gave them a laugh or I, I, you know, commiserated with me and talking about my mom. Cause I was also thinking lately, I was like, you know, I'm, I've been talking about my mom too much and maybe I should stop. And I think maybe it's getting to a point, but people were like, no, no, it's, it's actually really helpful and nice. And I don't know. Um, but it, that was great to hear. And then I got in there, met up with Meditza. Um, it, you know, so I saw Dylan Hafer from mention it all on Betches. Dylan's amazing. I got to hang out with him a bunch this weekend and it was just great. It was overwhelming, but it was so de- It was, the, it was so nice. The panels, the rooms, I went immediately into the panel. They had two stages, the gold stage and the glam stage, the gold stage. We had ask Andy with Jeff Lewis and Andy Cohen at the beginning. And Jeff Lewis is just great because I always say he is that like blend in between Howard Stern and this actor. I used to love Charles Grodin who passed away. And I said, uh, I think I've already said this on the show, but he would do these David Letterman appearances, I remember as a kid, where he would kind of like patronize David and kind of like there was, but I didn't understand it as a kid. And then I realized like, oh, it was a kind of a bit. And Jeff, I mean, it's like his personality, but at the same time, it's, he's so good at it. He like rattles Andy, he triggers him a little bit and they've been friends for so long that it was a great way to start the day. But he was like going off on like, I don't like Crystal. I don't like Monica. And he was like going, but sometimes that's where we need like really hard opinions for us to disagree with. Or like, those are the things that get picked up in the press. I love Crystal. I love Monica. But Jeff does not or did not at that panel. And he would just be like, he would be kind of roasting the people that ask questions of like, oh, come on, you're drunk. That's a bad question. No, no, no. But it was great. It was a great way to start the day. And also, I will say the chumps, um, and there was, it was something so scary about walking around BravoCon. I'm going back on Jeff's tomorrow, but it was like listening to people and they would walk by and they'd be like, chump. And, you know, like I've been bullied uh, in high school. So it was really scary to hear people shout out chump at me because I thought like, oh, my God, I'm getting bullied again. But it was a Jeff Lewis thing. But so many people there were there to see Jeff and they had like chump shirts on. And I was like, damn, he's got like this massive reach. It's like wild. But I got to see a bunch of content creators there. And it was just overwhelming, but it was a great way to start the day. And then me and Medizzo went into the Bravo Bazaar. We looked at all the wares that were being shopped, all the Bravo liberties pay to have a booth and they can sell their stuff. And it really is cool. But this year, like the space last year that the Javits Center, it was nowhere near as cool of a space as this was. And it was just decorated so nicely. And I was walking around there. 
I mean, it was just Sheena Shea finally selling the good as gold on vinyl, even though it cost $50. It's still one of my most prized possessions, but it was just overwhelming seeing all of these things. It was just really cool. So then Friday I did that. Then I went to the VIP lounge, which was really dope and kind of got to see in there, but it was like everywhere there was something to see. Um, and then it all led up to me for the one I really wanted to see was the 1245 serving up the latest with Vanderpump rules. And we saw, uh, the Vanderpump rules panel and it started with the, we got a teaser trailer for the new season and it great. Cause it starts off with the footage of the, the poster from season 10 of them all looking at each other in the bar, but we actually, the teaser, you guys have seen it at this point already. If not go to our YouTube channel. But it's all of them looking like, you know, we just, we see the picture come to life and they're all laughing with each other and we're like in better times. And uh, we have the Raise Your Glass song sung by Dina Deadly. But now it's like they slowed it down and it's sung by like a torch singer. It's like, you know, these are the best days of our lives. Just raise your glasses high. This one's for you tonight. And then all of a sudden we hear like this tribal drum be like, and all of a sudden, like on the screen, the glass breaks, it shatters, and it's like, get pumped to pick up the pieces. And each shard of glass has one of the characters' faces in it, has like Sandoval brushing his hair back and looking up like a model. And then all of a sudden we see clips and we see like the first clip, it's like DJ James Kennedy, they're all at the beach. He's like, this side is Ariana's and this side is Tom's and nobody can move sides. I'm DJ James Kennedy, guys night. And then we have a scene where Ariana and Tom are fighting with other people around. She's like, you did this, you did that and you almost killed my dog. You'll be dealing with my lawyer. And we have Lisa like, Sheena, Lala, you don't understand. He's lost everything. His business, his girl. He has a mediocre cover band. You know, kind of like butter. Like Lisa. And that was my problem with Lisa, the whole panel. She was like, anytime we would boo Tom, she'd be like, naughty, naughty. Come on. No, we don't do that. We don't. Yes, Lisa, we do do that. What kind of blood pact have you made with these Toms that you won't let us feel how we want to feel? And Lala kind of did the same thing as well. Like, Lala, I know you're over it because you went through this season, but we haven't. We still have unanswered questions. Let us see the season before you chastise us. Don't like, I just love that. You wouldn't feel the same way with your dude, Randall. Like you, you think it's okay that we all feel, should we all forgive Randall now? Like give it a break. It's not been as long as you think it is. It's just that you've been in this Vanderpump like suction cup for like the last seven months. Uh, but like, You've been living it, so it's a different thing. But remember, for us, we only get to see it an hour in a week and watch all these stupid things that he says on his podcast or in interviews. So come on. You've got to let people go by their own timeline and not navigate or police people's feelings, just period. But the trailer was good. It was just like little small clips here and there. You have Katie telling Sheena, like, well, listen, you better watch out who you hang out with. You know, it could get that. You see Tom, like, passionately hugging Sheena, which is at the season finale because that's how they're dressed as. Um, but it was good. And then the panel starts and it, you just sense like the tension. There was just tension. You could tell Ariana and Tom really do not, uh, you know, you could, just, it was very real. It was very tense in that sense. Um, but then the panel kind of went in a weird direction where all of a sudden DJ James Kennedy's like, I'm going to do push-ups," and him and Sandoval did a push-up contest. And I was like, what third level of hell are we at right now? Like, I want more questions. Karamo from uh, Queer Eye hosted that panel. Um, but Lisa also, oh, the great thing, and you guys already saw this by now, but like, you know, 10 minutes in, there was like this big commotion from the audience and everybody's like, oh my God, what's what's going on? And all of a sudden you see like the cameras on, it's like little, it's Kintaj, just like, uh, 
uh, like slowly walking with a dog in his hand. He's just slowly making his way. And we're all like, good, good. I would have loved to meet Ken. And my dream was that he was going to go walk up on stage and be like, did you realize sometimes always in But he didn't. It would have taken too long. He was like walking so slow. But wouldn't that have been amazing? I mean, that would have just been my BravoCon heaven. But um, the, the panel was just weird. It was all over the place. It was all over the place. Very weird panel. But it was, you know, looking back, uh, an interesting panel because at least you felt some reality to that situation. Then after that, we had a break and we went back to the bazaar, I believe. And then the next one was for the summer house. Oh, yeah, because I got I had to miss the OC panel hosted by Danny, which I heard it was great. But then we went to the summer house panel and the summer house panel for me was a big disappointment. The Lindsay Carl stuff they talked about at the very beginning. Brian Moylan hosted that. He did great. But it was just weird because you really get the sense with a lot of the panels that Bravo held them back from saying things. And so we got like Lindsay Carl stuff at the very beginning, but then it kind of went into this goofy, I don't know, it just didn't really go anywhere. And then they showed footage from this new season and it had something to do with like an alien party, but they didn't give it any context. So the clip just came off completely weird. But for me, it was a dud. And then they had like, they had Maya out there who I don't think is even in the new season. And they had, um, what's his name? Alec? I, no, no, Alex was two seasons ago. What's the new guy's name, but I don't know. It was Chris is Chris. It was just weird. And it just wasn't as exciting as I was hoping for. Um, but it was good to see all of them. I mean, that was the thing, even though when the panels didn't hit, it didn't matter. Cause it was still just so fun everywhere else. Like you got out of the panel and you got to see like cool shit and you got to meet cool people. Um, I didn't get to go to the Atlanta panel, but I think Meditza did. Now, you know, Drew Sedora wasn't even there, which was weird. Isn't that weird? Uh, and then we had a Real Housewives of Dubai season two premiere, but I went back at that point because I needed a little bit of a nap and I needed to um, record a Patreon. So I did uh, I did that, but I never really got to sleep, but it was nice to be back in the hotel room before um, nine o'clock. I had to go over to the Paris Theater, which was the Bravo Awards, the Bravos. And Bravo TV was so nice and they gave me a ticket. I didn't even realize I had a ticket, but they gave me a ticket to that. And they sat all of us content creators right, like right in with the Bravo celebrities. You might've seen it on Sunday night. So at first I was like right behind, like right near Austin. And I was like a row behind, like there was a row and then Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz. And I was like, no, I was like, right. And I was like, if I leaned down, I would, I was blocked by the cast of Summer House Martha's Vineyard. But then sometimes I was like, oh, he sees me. I was just, it was really uncomfortable. And he was just like brooding the whole time. He was like, just feeling, you know, it just looked like he was brooding. And, but it was just, uh, it was crazy. Just every Bravo celebrity dressed in the nines. I took a couple of pictures. I posted on Instagram, but like Lisa Hochstein over here, you got Teresa and Jen Aiden, you got all of these people before the award show. But I was like going on so little sleep that I was like, this isn't real. This isn't real life. I mean, it really truly isn't real life, but it was just so wild to see that in person that I was just blown away by that whole experience. It just didn't seem real. Uh, I mean, Captain Lee's over here sitting next to Miss Patricia. Shep seemed like he was on another planet. A part of me was like is Shep on mushrooms they had Shep Craig and Austin sit together I don't know why they didn't have Craig sit with Paige Paige was like over to the right uh, I got into a conversation with Corey and Sam because they both have been in my podcast Corey Kiefer and they were lit and Corey's like you gotta work out with me tomorrow dude and Sam's like yeah do it I was like fuck no Corey he's like I haven't even gotten really sleep before I get he's like you gotta push it dude I'm like no look at me I don't gotta push it like this is a, like uh, that's how you die like no and of course like I bumped into Corey the next day and he did work out but I was so pissed I was like uh, 
but it was just great. Uh, I got to meet a lot of the Southern Charm people, JT. Um, it was just, it was great. And the Bravo Awards, the high production value was just insane. It was just so, it was like the Oscars. I probably never get to go to the Oscars. So this was my Oscars and the show was funny. Uh, Andy did a whole song and dance with Vegas showgirls, Ariana and DJ James Kennedy and Katie had a little piece of that song. Um, they did a squash the beef with Amanda Batula and Giselle and Robin for Potomac about her not wearing shoes, which I thought was great. Um, but it was just wild. And then afterwards was the NBC party, but I didn't have a, a ticket to that and I didn't want to sneak in though. People were like, just come sneak in, man. I know real moms of Bravo got in with Vanita, uh, but I was like, I just didn't want to chance it. And I just needed sleep anyways and, and go back and record. Um, so, uh, but it was still a really late night that night. And then Saturday, I finally got sleep and I decided, you know what? Let's throw caution to the wind. And I wore my Real Housewives Vanderpump Rules tracksuit with all the iron on pictures that Wide World of Ack, um, Wild World of Ack, you AK, you can find them on Instagram. She made for me, custom made. And it was a huge hit at BravoCon. People loved it. I'm um, like the carrot top of Bravo. But I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. And it was so fun. But I was in it morning, night. I had to go to the Watch What Happens Live that night. I never changed. I went to see DJ James Kennedy at Club Aria in that suit. And like, that's like when you're just like, had a couple drinks and you're tired as hell and you're like, you just can't hide. It's like a 12 p.m. at night in the club and people are coming up to you going like, what the fuck are you wearing? Like it was it was a little embarrassing at the time. But Saturday, it was like great. Met up with a lot of creators. I got to meet Summer Mary from Two Judgy Girls, who was delightful. I uh, got to meet Lisa Barlow and John Barlow at the, the Wendy's panel. Uh, Summer Mary in, introduced me to John and we had a nice conversation, which I talk about in the, the Salt Lake City recap, which was great. Um, but Lisa was funny. Um, uh, Bravo, we're black. I got a K and Aaron. I got to hang out with a lot this weekend. Had a lot of Palomas with uh, Vita, Vita Tequila, um, which were excellent. But I was on cloud nine. It was just great talking to all the creators and stuff and just kind of floating around, hanging in the VIP lounge, which we, there was always Bravo celebrities in there. Um, but it was just so cool. So then the first panel I did on Saturday was the... Um, was the uh well they had the the Miami panel with Danny Pellegrino which was awesome and then Potomac Potomac was my favorite panel of the week and I've said this many times this week I only got to see 30 minutes of it but these ladies the way they bounce off each other it doesn't even matter they don't need to hide anything because they're just funny whatever they're talking about but I had to leave that to go to the Bravo Palooza which I had a ticket for and they give you a specific time that you can go in and you get free food and drinks and just mingle with Bravo celebrities in like a closed environment the Bravo celebrities I got were like Captain Sandy and I was like I'm good but Asia, who I'm friendly with, and it was great to talk to her. Got to talk to Lisa and John again. More creators were in there. The girls, the ladies from Bravo Docket, who I love, were in there. And it was just fun. It was a nice time to decompress. And then after that, I went to the Married to Medicine for a second, and that was very sparsely attended. Like, we all just do this show a disservice for how amazing I hear it is. But then I wanted to go see the New York panel. Now, the New York panel, I went over there as it started, and you couldn't get in. You couldn't get in. I, I had to watch from the back, and thank God I had the VIP ticket so I could watch, but also I wanted to stand in line because after that was the panel, I really wanted to see the Real Housewives of Vander... The, sorry, the Vanderpump Rules producer panel. I was really excited to see that one. And so... I just watched New York from the back and it was nothing crazy. Matt Rogers from Las Culturistas hosted that, but it was really cool because it was the most packed one of the weekend. And I just thought, wow, for like us saying it got low ratings, it seems like it has a wide fan base. They were all wanting to see what's happened. Uh, Pavit went up on stage at one point at the very end with Jessel and they called him like the seventh housewife, I think. 
But then the Vanderpump Rules panel with the producers was the one I really wanted to see. Uh, for the producers, including Alex Baskin, the head of it all, producer Jerry, uh, Natalie, they were all there. And another lady, I'm forgetting her name, but she was amazing. And I just like to hear all the behind the scenes footage. And I even waited in line to ask a question. They didn't get to be, but my question was going to be, how much does it help or hurt the show that all of them, the cast members have podcasts now and they reveal so much information and also all of the cameras following them around morning, noon and night and all the Reddit threads, the memes, does that help the production or hurt the production? Cause it could, could go either way because they might get storylines just through hearing them blab or, you know, like, but at the same time, is there any kind of, you know, chance of like muzzling any of these podcasts to protect the overall thing of the show. So we're actually kind of surprised at the show and we've not already moved on because we know what is going on in their lives now because of all their podcasts. I didn't get to ask that question, but it was great to see it. And I just really, the more, like I always say, the more I get into this, the more I love to see how it's all pieced together. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash betches. And I posted some of the clips on Instagram, but it was just wild to hear like how they really found out the one lady who was watching the dailies and reading the hot sheets. She's the one that first had suspicions about Tom and Raquel, the artist formerly known as Raquel. And, you know, mentioned something and I just thought, wow, but producer Jerry was the first to find out because they called Ariana about something. And Ariana was like, nope, nope, because I just found out Tom's cheating on me. Like, it was wild to hear this story from the producer's mouth, producer Jerry. And it was just great. That was like one of another one of my favorite panels because I just I wish they would do more panels like that. I love, love, love to see how the sausage is made. So that was that. And then um, I did the uh, BravoCon live with Andy Cohen, the Charming House Rules, which was Southern Charm, Vanderpump Rules, Winter, all those like Winter House, Summer House, Martha's Vineyard. They were all on stage, but a couple key people were missing because they saved them for the second watch. What happens live at night? So we didn't get Ariana and Tom or Schwartz and Katie, and we didn't get like Austin and Shep. Uh, but it was still fun, but it was my least favorite Watch What Happens Live of the weekend. Um, but it was still great to be there. And then um, after that, I went to the Real Housewives of Politics. Nalini Stamp, who has been on this show before, she uh, 
uh, she's great, but they had this party at the Cosmopolitan in the Chandelier Room, and it was so nice. It was like so decked out, great food, free drinks. It was just so, so cool. And I got to meet uh, and talk with other creators there. I was talking with uh, Zach Peters. I was talking with uh, who else? I mean, it was just fun. It was like, so I went there by myself, still in that sweatsuit, and then went and met Bravo, uh, Bravo and Blaze, Jenny, and Bravo, um, Bravo by Gaze. I just call him Larry. And uh, Bravo, Bravo, Ducking Bravo was there. And we all watched the DJ James Kennedy set, which was just ridiculous. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw the post. I mean, it was just like, this isn't real life. I was like, we were drinking out of a bottle of vodka. And it was just like, this is insane. He's like, are you ready to do this club, Aria? His shirt came off within the first five minutes. His dad was in the background watching. Jax and Schwartz were there, which was just so funny. But there's like flames, confetti cannons. There had to have been thousands of people. It was packed. It was just insane. Met a lot of nice people uh, outside Real Housewives of Columbus. Shout out. I met her while I was waiting for the taxi line. I met so many great people. And then went back and uh, had to get a couple hours of sleep so I could do it all over again. And then I tweeted for DirecTV, which I talked about at the beginning, all of Sunday or most of Sunday. But it was great because I, I got me up early and went to the panels and I went to Pat the Puss. Pat the Puss with Erica Jane. Erica Jane! And Mikey Minden. And they taught us, they went through some patented Erica Jane dance moves. Very intense. And that was fun. And they showed us the new trailer for Bet It All on Blonde, the Erica Jane docu-series and it takes itself so seriously it's like five six seven i can't do it uh. it was it looked like i wanted to be madonna's truth or dare it made me laugh but listen i'll watch it i'll watch anything that's the secret did that and then that led into the ultimate girls trip panel with the roni ladies which was truly incredible to see the new trailer it looks hysterical um not tons where it was revealed you guys have probably already read it by now you had uh kelly revealing that bethany frankel reached out to her recently to be on the podcast and uh, she was like, you know what? I'll check my calendar in 2025. Uh, Sonia was being classic Sonia, just a nut job in the best way. Dorinda was being Dorinda. But then there was this really sweet older lady, an 84-year-old woman named Ruth that stood in line to ask a question. And Ruth was just like, how do you ladies stay so young and beautiful? And they all loved Ruth. Everybody fell in love with Ruth. And Ruth became a national sensation at BravoCon because it, all those ladies fawned over her. And Bravo saw this and immediately took her back backstage and was asking, like have, having press ask her questions. And it was a beautiful story. She got into Bravo while she was caring for her ailing husband who passed away. She came here from Fort Worth, I believe, Texas, didn't know anybody. She says she made 12 friends out here since like just being at BravoCon and it was beautiful. And then Andy Cohen surprised her and was like, can I be your 13th friend? And it was really sweet. I got to meet Ruth that night at Watch What Happens Live and take a picture with her. And she was just delightful. I just love that energy. And that's really the important thing about Bravo is that it brings everybody together in that sense. There's a lot of negativity and we can point to all of this and this and this, Ramona Singer, blah, blah, blah. But at the core, remember how much it brings people together, how much joy it gives. I think that's something really important to hold on to. You know, that's the stuff that keeps me coming back, you know, those important stories. I mean, those are the stories we want to highlight is just how much it means to us. I mean, the drama is great and we, we, we feed off it. We love it. But at the end of the day, remember that there's these good stories, how much good it does for us. And I know I sound like a pussy, but it, it really, it's great. Um, so that happened. And then I was the Beverly Hills panel was like, so, so. And I talked to Crystal about this yesterday and Crystal was like, yeah, our panel kind of sucked. Right. And she lost her voice. And I was like, it didn't suck. It was just anticlimactic and uh the host didn't seem like it really knew the show and she said well the host was like 
you know, there was like a periphery of questions on the monitor and she was asking each one instead of skipping around like you were supposed to, I think. Um, Kyle cried immediately and talking about Mauricio. Dorit was talking, my relationship with PK is good. It's going to be good. And then they talked about Kyle and Morgan Wade, like, Morgan, please. You know, I was shocked at that music video, Kyle. And Erica Jane was like, I'm as Lisa Rana. And Garcelle was like, yes, Lisa makes great television. But I'm like, sorry, she's not here. And she should shut her big yapper about making fun of Bravo. We don't need you. But I'm sure Lisa Rinna will come back at some time. But it was, you know, that was a little anticlimactic. I thought it was going to be much more uh, powerful and it was very subdued. Uh, met Captain Lee that day. He was such a nice guy. The the uh, VIP was amazing. Uh, Heather McDonald, I talked to her for a while. Talked to a lot of creators in that VIP. That was really clutch. Uh, also, I met Michael Rappaport, Jerry O'Connell. Um, and then I did the, the Southern Charm panel, which was so-so. Once again, it was kind of like, Austin asked, like, got to, like, do one tough question about his behavior. And he was like, oh, I'm going to save it for the reunion unless you ask me a specific question. Olivia, I got to meet her that day. She was lovely. Um, she got to say, yeah, like, you know, Austin, you do this to yourself and you blame it on, you know, Taylor, da, da, da. And, you know, guys get away with everything, especially on Southern Charm. But it was okay. That was an okay panel. The, the sad thing is that they brought out the Southern Charm, Southern Hospitality cast, like, midway through. And I just felt like they showed the trailer, and it looked really good. And I, I like Southern Hospitality a lot, but you could just tell a lot of people in the room didn't care and didn't watch. And I thought that was, like, a bummer, because I was like, oh, that sucks. But people got to get into these shows. we got to support new shows. Um, so that happened. And I think my last uh, panel of the day there was the Real Housewives of New Jersey panel, which was... Uh, it was fun, but like Teresa got booed a lot. And I'm sorry, you guys, I've been reading that shit. People weren't paid to boo Teresa. Teresa, like, listen, people were booing Teresa of their own accord. I hate to break it to you. It doesn't, you know, one day you're up, one day you're down. But like, you know, it's just the toxicity of Jersey on both sides. It's just wild to watch. One lady asked Louie if he could describe his job in five words or or 10 words or less, and he couldn't do it. I mean, there was a lot of funny, like Jennifer Aiden called somebody fat. It was just sad. But anyways, um, I was just kind of thankful and tired and all of that stuff. And then, uh, met a couple of people outside that had li listened to the show on the way out. And then Manitza met up and we went back to Paris to watch the watch what happens live Showgirls, which aired last night. And it was so good. You guys, you guys go watch it just for Sonia Morgan talking about having sex with Owen Wilson. She was like, Oh my God, he's my doggy style King. And I was like, Sonia, for the love of God, this is a family show, but it was, it was wild. It was truly awesome. And then at the end, I was going to record a Patreon in the casino and I bumped into Dylan Hafer uh, from Mention It All, <clears throat> which is also Betches who came out and uh, he said, oh, you know, let's go over to P.F. Chang's and uh, meet up with Gibson Johns and uh, Sarah Galley. And it was great. That was a great end to kind of just go over everything and decompress with other creators and talk about podcasts. And it was a great, uh, you know, I was glad I got to do that. And it was the first sit-down meal I had had all week uh, since I had gotten there on Wednesday night. So it was much needed and then got back to the hotel and recorded a Patreon, recorded Monday's episode, and then got a couple hours of sleep before I had to get up for Fox 5, which I played to you on Tuesday, that little correspondent thing that I got up at 6 in the morning for, and that went decent, and then drove home and started this week, and I'm so thankful this week is almost over because I've been doing new shows pretty much all week, and I am beat. So that is the BravoCon experience. I know it was rushed. I know that. Uh, if you have specific questions, please let me 
answer them for you, just email or, or leave a message for me and uh, I'll try to answer them. But that was the whole experience. But I think they're going to do it in Vegas for the next two years. I think it was a great success and I can't wait to go back. I, I really can't wait to go back. I think my body and mind will have, will fully heal by the weekend and we'll get back to normal. Uh, but thank you, DirecTV, for letting me work with you guys. That was really fun again. And I hope to be able to continue to do that because that kind of stuff is just really exciting. Um, so now I already recorded this Salt Lake recap right before I recorded this. I've been recording for the last three and a half hours, but I'm going to shoot off right directly to Real Housewives of Salt Lake. This recap is buck wild, folks. So I hope you enjoy it. I really love talking about Salt Lake. And then remember, come back here for on Friday for our last show of the week where we catch up with Beverly Hills this week's episode, because I just did last week's episode yesterday, and we'll be all caught up. And then I'll talk to you over on Patreon where I'll be doing Kardashian episodes and more episodes over there this weekend. And whew, whew, guys, whew, I'm tired. But thank you. Thank you for being a part of my journey. Thank you for always being so nice to me. And uh, listen to Jeff Lewis live tomorrow. Um, that will be on at uh, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And I hope that goes well. And then, uh, yeah, here it is. The one and only Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Also, you guys, this recap, I just listened to the sound. For some reason, it's very tinny. I don't know what's going on. I've had problems with equipment all week, so I'm aware it'll be okay. I think you'll still enjoy it, but it's very frustrating. Sorry, guys. Hey, folks, welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal, Ryan, and this is your Thursday episode. Uh, listen, we're doing a Real Housewives of Salt Lake City recap from... This week's episode, and what an episode it was. I'm shaking. I'm physically shaking. Oh, my God. That fight at the end between Lisa Barlow and Monica. Woo! Oh, my God. At a sound bath. Woo! When you got a sound bath involved, I mean, that in a housewife's fight, it's just... What is the word? Magical. That's what the word is. How the heck are you guys doing? Listen, it's Thursday. You're almost to the end of the week. We're doing this together. I am dead tired. I don't know if you listened to my Beverly Hills recap yesterday, but the old guy right here is not going on a lot of sleep, and I haven't been since Bravo. So listen, I just got to get to through tomorrow's Beverly Hills recap of this week's episode, and I'm going to be on Jeff Lewis Live tomorrow, so make sure you tune in. But this is going to be a jumbo episode where we talk about Salt Lake and BravoCon. Remember, I did a whole BravoCon podcast and it is completely staticky and garbly. I can, I mean, I can give that to you guys if you want, but it is just really rough. So this is going to be all in one. I should split this into two episodes because that probably is good for advertisers. But you know what? Some people love the long episodes, so it's just going to be the long episode. And as Tom Sandoval says, just dip out when you ever need, whenever you need to, dude. Just feel free to dip out, dude. Um, this truly was an amazing episode in so many ways. It, it had weirdness in regards to uh, little Bobby getting a golf cart. L listen, I wasn't even able to drive until I was 25. This girl's getting a golf cart at 13. Are we, are we out of our minds? And I love Whitney, but come on a golf cart. Is that legal? In what world is it legal for a 13 year? -old? And she's like, she will pick up she will, she will be able to pick up people at school and run errands. Like, wait, you're using this on the roads? Like, what is going on in Utah? I mean, Utah, it seems like a wild place. We got 13-year-olds, uh, you know, joyriding on golf carts. This is like Fast and Furious Utah edition. 
So we're going to get in all, into all of that. Obviously, the Monica fight with the mom. You got Heather Gay trying to prove that she is the ultimate Mormon, even though she's stepped away from the church. We need to make sure that anything Mormon goes through Heather Gay because she is the bad Mormon. Her book is on sale. Um, Mary Cosby really didn't make an appearance in this episode, and that's good. Mary Cosby should be used sparingly. It should be like Bigfoot. We just kind of get appearances here and there, and you're like, oh, is that a man in a furry suit? You know, or is that Bigfoot? That's what Mary Cosby... We just need little dabs of Mary Cosby, because she doesn't really have a storyline, and she doesn't really play nice in scenes, and there's no forward movement in the plot when Mary Cosby is there, but that's okay. I still like her in those little, little moments. Um, but just a stellar episode all around. We had a little Seth Marks appearance. What's going on, you guys? It's me, Seth Marks. I'm here at a 13-year-old's birthday party at a roller skating ring. I took off from my job in Canton, Ohio to watch these kids suck down Dr. Peppers with no abandon. All right. Um, I, I loved this episode. I've watched it two and a half times so far. It was an extended episode. And listen, extended episodes are tough because it means just more wear and tear on this beautiful voice. But we're going to get into all of it. I want to spend a special thank you to Laura Beth Harp, who took the notes on uh, this. She's always excellent. And it really helps me get into my character and just care about the verbiage, care about the performances, <laughs> care about these things. We're, they're just bubbling underneath the surface that we can find out. But what I've said from the very beginning holds true even with this episode. Episode. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is completely unique because it makes you feel like you're on an acid trip nonstop. You're like, oh my God, it's like writing a Housewives episode from memory. So it's like, oh, did I remember? It's, you know, it's like if you were to write a Housewives episode, it would be completely bonky and weird. And that's what Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is this season. And it's completely working for me. And also, there are fights in this episode in particular, but really around the whole series about religion. And I've always said I think that's what gives this show its foundation is that it's you know based in something very real to people, which is religion. I mean, we don't see that on Beverly Hills. We don't see that on Potomac, really. But the foundation of Salt Lake City, if you really think about it, is religion. And there's a great scene with Meredith and Heather Gay talking, and it's almost like... Uh, you know, a dick measuring contest about who's the who's who's the more uh, observant Mormon. You know, <laughs> like Heather's pissed because Lisa Barlow doesn't practice the same type of Mormon religion that she was raised in, and I think it's funny. I think it's funny when people fight over religion. I mean, it's not funny; it's really horrifying if you think about it. But when people are like oh, that's not a real Mormon. Like, that's that's not real belief. Like, you know, God's up in the uh, the highest of heavens going, what you wearing to church, girl? That's how God sounds, by the way. What you wearing? Like, do you think God is up in heaven going, oh, Lisa Barlow, are you kidding me? You have personally offended me, God, by what you're wearing. Um, religion is very personal for anybody involved in it, but I think it's interesting that... Uh, that I just find it interesting that all of this has happened on this episode, and I feel like Salt Lake has been on a winning streak. Are you guys enjoying it as much as I am? Because I just, I think it's just excellent. It's excellent. So let's dive in. Um, how are you guys? Are you good, by the way? I also wanted to talk about an article that was brought up today. I think it was through Variety with a couple of NBC executives about Bravo. So let's get into that really quickly for a, for a, just a quick minute, if if we can. And I want to, there was this interview that I thought was really interesting 
um, in regards to just information about everything going on with Bravo. So this was uh, with Francis Berwick, who is an NBCU chairman. And this is done by one of my favorite authors, Kate Arthur, who works for uh, Variety. I just love her entertainment reporting. Also, good news, the SAG after strike is over. We can go back to making TV and film, and we can go back to talking about it. So I'm so excited that actors can get back to work. I'm very happy for my union. It looked like we got a lot of good uh, increases, so we'll find out more. But as of 12.01 a.m., the strike will be over, but it'll still need to be voted uh, on, and that's going to take about a week. But for all intents and purposes, knock on wood, unless something just crazy happens, we are back, baby. We are back. So in the interview, we had uh, we got a lot of information. We got that Bethany Frankel, you guys remember Bethany Frankel. She was on Real Housewives of New York. She's doing the reality Frankeling, I mean reality reckoning. If we find out that Bethany pitched Bravo three separate shows Bravo passed on those shows. And what that means, if you guys aren't in the industry, it just means that you pitch a show. Like I pitch a show about like, hey, a guy that wets his bed all the time and he grows up and he's still wet in the bed. Like, And they're like, you know what? That doesn't seem like it's going to be good on NBC. That means they passed on the show. Um, we find out the family karma is on pause, but they believe it will return one day. And I will say there was a couple of family karma cast members there. And I think that's smart. Obviously, Family Karma does not get huge ratings, so it is a business move, but at the same time, I think it's good that they don't cancel it entirely, that they do put it on pause instead of cancel it. That's a sign of, that's, a, that's kind of hope in a sense, and that's why I always recommend people, go stream shows that you haven't watched. I'm talking to myself as well because I need to go back and watch Married to Medicine. Um, but Family Karma, there is real promise there. Um, and I think they would be, and I think they realize that they're a little ignorant if they just go ahead and cancel that because there's a little mileage left in Family Karma. They also revealed that there's going to be no more new Housewives City. So we're not going to see real Housewives of Bakersfield or anything like that. No more new Below Decks. Uh, they're going to be focused on finding new casts. They love Southern Hospitality. Uh, they, they say that Winter House is the most fun show airing right now. It is fun. I mean, they're shredding the gnar and drinking without abandon and trying to hook up with each other. That's kind of fun. Um, also, post-BravoCon, the network is planning local events. They're going to do more live, watch what happens live tapings and episode screening with talent. Also, it was revealed uh, in regards to the three Bethany Frankel shows she pitched. One of those was her Rewives uh, podcast, which was already being done. She pitched a show that would be a talk show on air, but they were like, we already kind of have one of those with Watch What Happens Live. One of those was like Housewives in Training for Kids, which sounds like just a disaster. Like, Bethany, if you really don't think Housewives is a great environment, let's not, like, let's teach teach them well and let them lead the way, as Whitney Houston said. Let's not get the kids involved. Let's start them young. Let's get these kids throwing fake legs at a, you know, a tender age of six or seven. Like, what? what why not just pitch a show about, like, Hunger Games? We just, just kill off people until we win. And uh, what was the third show? I'm trying to find the third show. Uh, but anyways, Bethany Frankel was reached for comment by Variety, and uh, this was the comment. Me pitching shows to Bravo months before opening my eyes isn't the smoking gun they think they have. And if that's their biggest argument against the reality reckoning, they better get back to the drawing board. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a really good imitation, actually. Except my mouth wasn't full and I wasn't chewing at the time, so I could go back and redo that again if you guys need it. a cleaner sound for that. Um, so she says that, that she pitched those shows before her eyes were opened. And I just find, 
I do want to just point out, though, when you do get rejected uh, from pitching shows, which is actually a very normal occurrence. I pitched a show a long time ago in another lifetime, about six or seven years ago, and I got rejected everywhere. And it was really exciting and disheartening and all of those things. But I imagine Bethany obviously thought, you know, like I'm better than a lot of this. So it probably was really frustrating to get three shows rejected. And I also don't believe that her eyes were just suddenly opened, some miraculously opening. I do want to, though, it is interesting to hear about these things because then it leads to a pattern of behavior that you're like, okay, she was already mad. She pitched three shows. None of those shows worked. She felt slighted potentially by Andy and Jeff Lewis when there was that Watch What Happens Live. Um but also, Bethany needs to, like, take several seats because, you know, this Francis Berwick was asked a direct question by Variety. They weren't just bringing up Bethany Frankel. They were asked about the reality reckoning. Also, it was uh, – we found out from Bethany that this article had been in the work for six months. And I think – for being in like six months, it was before she even announced Reality Reckoning. So I imagine there's a little bit of disappointment. And like I said on the other days, uh, the show the other day is the big thing about the Vanity Fair article is that, you know, primarily the examples used in it are Real Housewives of New York. And they rebooted Real Housewives of New York. They rebooted it. They actually took it down because they even found it harmful. So you have to let people be able to course correct. I mean, listen companies, entities, all of that stuff, you don't really feel bad for them because they are in that power position. But at the same time, you have to let people try to make things right. And that's where I felt the article failed one of the ways, even though I thought it was well written. I like the author a lot. Um, I just think, um, I don't know. I'm sure Bethany was very excited her name got mentioned at all because it's good for her overall. And listen, she's got what, like three Housewives podcasts out right now. She's making a fine living talking about Housewives and she will remain doing that. But my thing is always what we don't know. And this article was not just about Bethany Frankel. It was about Bravo in general, about what's coming down the pike, about the success of BravoCon. Is that I'm just still curious of like, okay, she was like, we are ready. They can't stop the reality reckoning. It just sounds, it sounds like a drunk tailgater at like an Ohio State game. Like, they're not going to be able to stop Ohio State. We're undefeated on that field. Give me a hot dog. It, it, it's, I just, I want an answer. Like, what are we going to do next? What are you going to do? Like, are you just going to keep commenting every time somebody says your name? Or are you going to try to put an actual plan in place? And also, did you date Andy Cohen? Because it seems so personal at this point. It just feels like a scorned lover. And I really want to know, I really want to know what is, I really want to know what's happening. I just want to know. I just want to know. I want to know what's going to happen. But uh, that was some good information I wanted to pass on to you. Um, okay. You want to get into the Salt Lake? You want to, I would like to get into Salt Lake. It's me, Whitney. I love this. Um, so this episode, you guys is entitled, uh, get this. This was not that clever of a title. I think we could have done better with the title. It was very direct. And, uh, I, I just think we could have done better. It's, it's not a big deal I'm trying to find. Uh, I've got so many screens open on this damn computer, you guys. You have no idea. Uh, I'm still getting emails about the bedwetting as well. So (laughs) bedwetters unites. All right, we're doing it. This episode is episode nine, and it's called Don't Come for My Sound Bath. And I'm like, okay, yeah, because there's a sound bath at the end. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. And then the description on Peacock says, Angie gets caught in the middle of Lisa and Monica's feud. 
Like, that's the description. Like, what? Yeah, I guess, but there's a lot more exciting things. Like, talk about giving a 13-year-old a golf cart at her birthday. Like, that was fascinating to me. Come talk about these things, please. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know why. I always pick one thing in an episode where I'm just fascinated with. I keep thinking about it. And I just keep thinking about a 13-year-old getting, like, a pimped-out golf cart. Because, like, that was the dream as a kid, right? Like, do you remember that? I remember in Kansas growing up, and I wanted so badly a treehouse. But in my, um, my stupid 13-year-old mind, I was like, oh, my God. I want a treehouse, but I want it to be three levels. I want one of the levels to be underground. I'm going to fully furnish it. Remember when you just had, like, you were just basically an idiot and you didn't realize about money and how things worked in the world, but you were like, okay, so it's like that treehouse, you know, to even tell you, I don't even think we had a tree in the backyard, but I was so excited about the thought of a treehouse. And I remember thinking that I could uh, build it out in the backyard and uh, from my second floor window, I would attach some kind of wire that you would see in movies where you could swing from the wire into the treehouse. And I remember thinking that specifically, like, and there was no thoughts in my head of like, I wonder if my parents will be cool with the construction it's going to take to build this treehouse. And if they're cool with me hooking up a wire, (laughs) hooking up a wire that I would swing from my actual room to the treehouse. And then my buddy, Patrick Mulcahy, who lived right next door to me, they built a treehouse and it was like your standard treehouse. And it's like, you know, but we still thought it was just magical. And we would go up there and like, you know, like we had like a couple play, I don't know why I'm whispering. We had a couple Playboy magazines and you would just like, you know, flip through or like a penthouse forum. And it was like, Whoa, it was like, Whoa. And just have like candy bars and like baseball cards. I mean, that's pretty much the most manly I've ever been in my life when I was eight years old. That was like the most guy-like I'd ever been. (laughs) Like after that, I got really into musicals and housewives and things like that. But when I was eight, man, I was a pimp, dude. You wouldn't want to mess with me, dude. Bad boy. Bad boy of podcasting, you know? Um, So that is where we're at. We always start each episode with uh, scenes from the previous episodes of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So here we go. Uh, First, we see Heather talking about Jack Barlow's upcoming Mormon mission, and we see him announcing he's going to be assigned in Bogota, Colombia. Now, this is the thing where, you know, Heather giving her opinions on Mormonism, it's like, I'm glad she has mental clarity on where she is with that religion, but you've got to let everybody have their path. And Jack Barlow, Jack Barlow, even in this episode of The Roller, he just seems like a carefree dude. He's like, oh, rad, dude. Fresh, fresh to death. Yeah. Like, he seems like so chill. I will tell you, I talked, I told you this, I talked to John Barlow at uh, BravoCon for a second, and he was telling me, because I was asked how Jack was doing at the uh, MTC, which I think that's what it's called, the Mormon Training Center, and he said there was a little holdup with some of his paperwork, so he was held back and didn't get to go to Columbia, but his training partner got to go, so they're trying to figure that out, which might take an extra week or two, and then I was joking about Lisa, and he was like, I think Lisa's going to buy property (laughs) property in Colombia. Can you imagine that? She just buys every house in Colombia just to make sure that there's a friendly face every time Jack goes to knock on a door. Um, But I will say John Barlow, very, very nice man. Very nice man. And in the moment, I forgot that he actually did his two-year mission in Las Vegas because that would have been a great icebreaker for John. I was like, hey, you, you enjoying being back in Vegas? Huh? Was this like, were, were you going door to door at uh, Caesar's Palace trying to spread the word? Um, so we see how they're talking about Jack Barlow's mission. And we see Jack Barlow with that uh, that announcement party that was fresh where he was just like, I just want liquid death and charcuterie, mom. Fudge college, dude. 
We had a fudge college uh, later in this episode with Whitney's daughter, Bobby, where she was like, I'm 13. I can drink as much Dr. Pepper as I want, mom. And I'm like, that's the kind of youthful rebellion we need. Like, you see this? I'm going to pound through this two liter of Dr. Pepper. There was one scene with the kids at this party where they're all hovered around the soda thing where you can like, they were like squirting like little like cream and purple and like making their own drinks. And you guys, it was like, it, it was, it was like a Harry Styles concert. They were just like crowding around this thing. Like, give me the soda. Soda is so important to kids. My nephew was on a real soda bender last year and I bought him like a little mini fridge to like, and I bought him a bunch of like two liters and soda. And, um, but then he realized like, you know, he's, this is called progress. He was like, you know, I'm just starting to get a lot of headaches and stuff because he was just pounding soda. And I'm like, yeah, save that for later in your life. Like I do. Um, Next, we see Angie Kay and Lisa discussing Monica and the rumors about Sean. Because remember, they were, you know, Monica was part of that rumor, you know, getting outed that uh, allegedly Sean is, you know, being talked about on the mean streets of Salt Lake City, that he is in demand in the guy market. Now, that is said to be completely not true, uh, but it's also something that I just, I always get fascinated with like if i go to the mean streets of salt lake am i gonna hear sean's name it's gonna be like yo psst, psst, come here you know sean he's a hairdresser his wife wears huge glasses that look like a windshield uh guys like him like is that what happens then we see the scene with monica and angie k fighting over uh at uh angie k's easter brunch oh sorry i mean greek easter brunch uh fun little tidbit uh angie k is greek and uh, then we see Monica versus her mom from last episode. So this Monica mom, uh, LD Millionaire, is the mom's Twitter handle, and she is spouting this. Uh, you see, you see where Monica gets a little bit of her verbiage through her mom. And it is very hard to discern. We're hearing a bunch of stories. And also, I will say, I did hear at BravoCon, and even in today, I read an interview with Heather Gay that says, I don't trust anything that comes out of Monica's mouth. Um, and I think that's interesting. And I want to know why you don't trust anything that comes out of Monica's mouth. Now, I really don't think Monica would bring on her mom just to destroy her mom. I believe this comes from a very real place. I don't think she's making up her family history at all, but it's a very, uh, obviously a tense situation that we're picking up on and that they're just arguing all the time. And I think it's, it's very real to me in a sense. And I think that's actually what part of the thing that is making Salt Lake good, because we have these real arguments on top of like insanity and like leaving reality in other scenes. So I think it's like part of the mix, but yeah, she is, there's a lot of issues with Monica, but I do like Monica. I do like her a lot. What do you got? Where are you guys at with Monica? I, I do like her a great deal. I'm just curious if they are not getting along with her. Where do we go from here? Where, I mean, where, how does this, how does this work if nobody trusts her? And that's why I think this reunion that's coming up is going to be an amazing, amazing reunion. And obviously that's why they didn't have the Salt Lake City panel at BravoCon because Man, it seems like it's going to pop off, but I really wish for BravoCon they would have had something because they could have just teased it. We, we, we want to feel those vibes, those bad vibes and go, Woo! oh my God, my nipples are, this is amazing. They can cut class. This is like the tension. You can feel it everywhere. Um, also, uh, 
but we see Monica and Heather's conversation about her mom and their toxic relationship as Monica explained to the women how bad her relationship with her mom is. And then lastly, we see Monica and her mom from that dinner from hell last week where Linda calls Monica a motherfucker. Get over it. Get over it. That was when she thought guacamole looked like a beautiful dessert. She's like, oh, oh, this looks like a beautiful dessert. And Monica's like, that's guacamole and chips, mom. I told you, that was the thing that made me realize that the mom is not on the up and up. Because there's no damn way you put some guacamole in front of me and I think that's sorbet or some kind of dessert. Like, there's just no way. And if she's thinking that guacamole is dessert, then what else is going on? We can't even imagine the, the, the depravity in her mind if she thinks that's what it is. We open on this episode with a shot of Monica walking into a bakery called Pink Sweets. We're like, oh, 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 oh. We have that choral music. Oh, oh, oh. Angie K walks in next and they order. The place is just all pink. Monica orders a tiramisu cake and Angie K orders a strawberry banana smoothie and a piece of strawberry cake. The ladies are discussing how cute the bakery is and the wall of roses that they have. And Angie K's like, I bought a little gift for you and your children. And Monica's like, oh, that is so sweet. It's sort of for you too. It's a really sweet book. It's just about loving yourself, and it's actually called Fifty Shades of Grey, you guys. It's the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy. It's about a man who likes to tie up a woman and spank her and do weird things, but at its core, it's about loving yourself. No, she says, it's a book about loving yourself and, like, asking for help when you need it. It's called Science. It's called Dianetics. No. I think it's a great message to share with your kids, Monica, and I felt terrible about the way you left uh, sad and the, that things were not good with you and your mom at our Greek Easter. So just all of it. So, and she hands the book to Monica and Monica's like, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I love that. It's a horse. That's definitely some little Electra. That's very kind. Um, yeah, I hate that it went so badly as well. I know Monica, I do too. And Monica's like, for me telling you what was being said was my way of being a friend. She's talking about the Sean situation. And AJK is like, okay, well, I understand what Meredith was the one dropping the threats, right? But then Lisa's telling me that you are doubling down by saying, well, yeah, even people are saying he's good in bed. And yeah, he is good in bed, Monica, but my bed, but not in somebody else's bed. So there is part of the rumor that is complimentary. It's like when people say that John Hamm has a huge dong because he wears those sweatpants and you can see the outline. That's a huge compliment. Like I always said, like, I want that compliment. Like, yeah, I would love for somebody to say like, oh my God, I saw the outline of his dong and it's just like, it's amazing. You know, what a great compliment to get. So the compliment was, you know, he's sleeping with men, but they all say he's amazing in bed. So the man part is supposedly not true, but the good part of that rumor is that he's He's knocking it out of the park. Like, wouldn't it suck if, like, oh, he was sleeping with, with men and he just wasn't good at it? Like, this guy is supposedly, in these rumors, knocking it out of the park. I mean, so that is, a, let's, you know, always glass out full, you right? Glass out full. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. Monica's like, okay. And Angie K's like, that hurt me. And I thought, why would she do that? And Monica should have said, to give you a storyline, girl. But Monica says, I didn't do that. I did say something about boyfriends, but I never said about his performance. So now it's funny. Maybe Angie K is actually making up the fact that he was good in bed. She's like, oh, well, I just kind of added the part that he's good in bed. Because if you're going to get hit with this rumor and it's not true, let's put a little positivity into it. That's a Greek tradition. We get a flashback to... Um, uh, we get a flashback to her telling Lisa, the rumor is Sean fucks men. He has like boyfriends running around the city bragging about their sex. And 
She says, I feel like whatever Lisa says to you is doctrine, and you believe her over everyone, Angie Kay. And I'm not going to attack your relationship with her, but it is actually very damaging when she's telling you things that were said that were not said, Angie Kay. My intent was never to cause harm. And uh, Angie's like, well, and that's where I want to end it. I'm done. I just want to let you know why I still had some feelings. And Monica's like, and I'll be aware more of that moving forward. And Angie Kay's like, okay, thank you. I feel good, Monica. We're sitting down. We're not raising our voices. And that's all I wanted to do on Easter. Uh, excuse me, Greek Easter. Like when your daughters walked out of there, I was devastated for them. I was devastated for those girls. And Monica goes, that was the most family thing my kids have done in years. And we start crying. So we're crying within the first four minutes of the episode. And she's like, no, honestly. And to walk into that house and see everything you did with that kid table, I really was so touched, Angie. And Angie's like, I felt that. And Monica's like, and I was so grateful that my kids were able to be around other kids in a family gathering setting because those are core memories that they don't get to have. And Angie's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In a confessional, we, uh, we see Monica and Mike, her husband, and he looks like actually a pretty decent looking dude. Uh, Michael was the one we find out with a mom and dad and brothers and sisters. And we see that photo come on screen and Monica's like, they had a big family home and I didn't have that. And then when the affair happened, obviously that changed everything because remember Monica did the hippity dippity with he with her husband's sister's husband. Woo! Can we get a picture of that, Bravo? I mean not the actual hippity dippity, but like I want to see I want to see the guy she cheated with. I mean just think about what goes through your mind. Like what is the thing that even starts that? So Angie K says, I never knew this about you, Monica. I had no idea. And Monica's like, no, you have no idea. Like my mom, there's so much stuff that I don't talk about to like protect her. Has Monica's mom ever met Jen Shaw? And by the way, now I predict Monica's mom's probably going to go visit Jen Shaw in prison just to get some backup. Monica in a confessional is like, my mom never came to holidays and things like that with us before. But after the affair, my mom started coming over to my house for every holiday. And I'm at least grateful for that. But I mean, most of the time it would usually end in a fight. And after every holiday, I would be like, why do I invite her? It is interesting though. And I said this earlier and I was like, I don't think Monica would bring her mom on to ruin their relationship completely. But then at the same time, I will say Monica's aware of how housewives shows run. She was friendly or friends with Jen Shaw before she was a witness for the FBI or whatever it was. So she knows how these shows operate. Was there a part of Monica going, okay, I can totally actually say my real feelings about my mom and kind of let America decide where they stand on this because deep down, I think she's horrible. Angie K says, well, I think that's natural, Monica, that like we love, you know, our family members, sometimes even not at their best moments. Angie K actually says a very truth there because Monica obviously did love other family members in her own family. Monica's like, yeah. And Angie's like, but you know, one thing that I want to tell you, because I want to be able to build trust with you. My mom was an alcoholic. She went through, you know, a lot of struggles and self-medicated. And so my childhood was not perfect. Thank God my dad was solid. I think that's kind of the only thing that really kept me, you know, grounded. By the way, we had that scene last week with uh, Angie Kay and her dad cooking soup in the kitchen. And her dad does seem extremely grounded, which also leads me to believe, like, well, leads me to wonder how Angie Kay started wearing windshields on her face. Like, where did Angie Kay get the extreme, like, her look completely changed. She dresses, I mean, she had pigtails at one point. Like, Margaret Joseph's eat your heart out pigtails, you guys. 
Um, like, how did that all come to fruition? Because the dad seemed like just such a down to earth man. And obviously he was trying to support the family. Angie Kay in a confessional goes, I had a hard time growing up without a mother because remember she lost her when she was eight years old, you guys. And I never had the opportunity. Wait, real quick, by the way, I didn't, did I ask you, how are you guys doing today? Are you good? I'm so sorry. I was so rude. I started, I think I started this recap without asking, but I hope you're okay. Okay. Back to the recap. I never had the opportunity to have my mother as a part of my life when I was becoming a young woman. And I really needed a role model and to see like, this is the relationship she has with her mother. It saddens me because I didn't have a chance to love my mother. Monica in this scene says, I, I didn't know about your mom, by the way. And Angie's like, yeah, I mean, I know we've talked about our kids, but we probably never really like discussed our moms. And Monica's like, we've never discussed our moms. And Angie's like, yeah, and you do not need to recreate what you hated. I am here for you. And Monica goes, and I appreciate that. I really do. And I am sorry too for everything. And I do think there is a lot more to both of us that we need to give each other the space and chance to be able to let that grow. And Angie's like, that means so much to me. And Monica's like, I mean that. And Angie K goes, I'm so glad we got together. And Monica's like, me too. And Angie K goes, this feels so much better. It's like, okay, check. And then it's like, we should have just said, okay, see you at the end of the episode when I call you old. Hey, um, no, I will say for those scenes, these are the scenes that actually are great. You know, they're not heavily dramatic, but I like when you see these commonalities between people that have had disagreements. And I will say, even in real life, you know, if you don't get along with somebody or you have a hard time having conversations with them, ask them about their parents, you know, because either they love their parents, they've had a, a maybe an abusive relationship with their parents, or maybe their parents have, uh, you know, are not with us anymore. But people usually like to tell stories about families. People usually like to be asked sometimes and it can bring you closer together. It's a real, I mean, not an easy icebreaker, but it is an icebreaker. And I think these moments actually really provide for some growth. Well, now we go on over to Whitney's house. Whitney's doing that little dance at the bottom of the screen. Like, eh, eh, I am Whitney. This is my Whitney dance. I have my arms in the air and I shake it side to side. Lisa pulls up to Whitney's house and gets tiki torches out of her car. And I'm like, uh-oh, Leah McSweeney. Yeah. They have a tarp set up in the backyard and uh, paint. Whitney in a confessional goes, this week might actually be the week that tips me over the edge. I have two large events back to back. Bobby's 13th birthday and my prism event. Introducing my jewelry line to salt. Lake City. We flash back to see a scene between Whitney and Bobby discussing the party, and she says she wants a beach blowout theme, or beach like beach luau theme party. And Whitney starts laughing. <laughs> it's luau, not luau. And then she goes, "You are so my daughter. It's insane to me." Then we see a clip of Whitney on the phone planning her Prism launch events. A lot of events in Whitney's life right now. Whitney in a conventional goes, "Thank God for good skincare." Botox and a friend who's a party planner because without them, I'd look as bad as I feel. Like, I feel bad and I look bad. Whitney does look uh, stunning. And in person, she is so pretty, you guys. Lisa and Whitney, they start painting the tiki torches with bright neon paint. And Lisa's like, is Bobby ready for her? <laughs> Are you guys? <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes I need to warm up with the Lisa voice because I forget, like, is Bobby ready for her party? And when he's like, yeah, my mom's coming. Amazing. How did you get your mom to come? I told her, I'm like, I don't know if grandma's going to come. And Bobby goes, grandma can't say no to me. Watch. Did she call her? Yeah, she called her. And then my mom texted me and I was like, all right, I'll be there. And he's like, oh my gosh, I love that. That'll be fun for her. I know. 
but 13, that's a big number. I know. And she's definitely not a little girl anymore. Like she's a teenager for sure. That's so crazy. Like, oh my gosh, think of all the things she can do now that she's 13. Please don't remind me, Lisa. And she's getting a golf cart. She has no idea. We're like going all out. This is what I was like, did I hear that right? She's getting a golf cart? I, I mean, wait, I, I'm sorry. We, we're going to come back to this later, but what the fuck? Are we just letting kids drive golf carts? I've got a bad knee. I don't want to be run over by a, 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 a kid gang in like a neighborhood on golf carts. Like, are you kidding me? Like, we're just like, just kids making fun of me in a golf cart, speeding past me. Like, I mean, that's just what I picture is just like the, the, the little, little golf cart kid gangs. It's just, it's too much. Winnie in a confessional goes, giving Bobby this golf cart was a huge debate between Justin and I. For a 13-year-old year old flying around on a golf cart, there's no doors. There's no seatbelts. There's no airbags. Yes, yes, and yes. Yeah. Don't do it. Like, don't do it. Put that money in an IRA or something. Put it towards her. Like, what are you? What? What? Get her a golf cart? No airbag? Seatbelt? Yeah, let's do it. She has no experience with driving. Let's put her in a motorized vehicle. When he's like, the second she picks up a boy, we're done. Oh, that's going to do it? Like, she's already driving the golf cart. I mean, the golf cart is like a, uh, it's a gateway drug to get a man. <sighs> Shouldn't be this. This, is, this. I'm so tired. I'm just getting upset. Whitney, <laughs> Whitney, professional goes, but on the flip side, she can help me get Brooks to and from school. She can run errands and she can be my personal Uber. No, 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 no. Like what? Like Bobby's going to pick you like, um, Bobby, it's me. I've had a couple drinks. Um, I've had too many dollar aritas at Applebee's. Will you come get me, please? Like little Bobby driving around Salt Lake. Like, Bobby, will you go pick up your grandparents at the airport? <laughs> seriously where where are we sending this girl like she's just all of a sudden truly like a lift driver lisa's like okay i love it with the pink tin roof rusted and when they have multiple colors on them and when they have multiple colors on them they're gonna look so good bobby's gonna i love this do i know everyone who's coming whitney so far i've invited heather you and meredith and i probably won't invite mary I don't want to put her out. I know that she's probably wouldn't want to do it. And I just don't want to open her up to saying mean things. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> so I wouldn't want her to open up to saying mean things about me around my kids. It's, yeah, I hear that. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine Mary Cosby shows up to the roller skating ring and chastises Whitney in front of little Bobby? Like, hey, bobblehead, go give me a soda, bobblehead. Why are you giving a 13-year-old girl a golf cart, bobblehead? Little girl. Oh, there's two little girls. Little Bobby, little girl, and big Whitney, little girl. <laughs> Whitney in a confessional goes, to be honest, the last... <laughs> To be honest, the last time Mary was around my kids. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> to be. To be. Uh, whew, to be honest, the last time Mary was around my kids, it wasn't the best. <laughs> we flashed back to. 
two years ago when Mary came to Whitney's and said, one of my church members, their daughter had a crash and she was ejected from the sunroof and fell down into a neighborhood. And Bobby asks, is she still alive? And Mary responds, no. By the way, let's not put a golf cart out there. Are you fucking, there's no doors or windows. Fuck a sunroof. Whitney in a confessional goes, I think my kids are still a little scared. Mommy, mommy, come check my bedroom. Is there a Mary Cosby under my bed? Lisa's like, oh, should we let these dry for a little bit? And Whitney's like, yeah, I've tried so many times to mend that relationship with uh, Mary Cosby. And I don't think she likes me. This is all about Bobby. Yeah. So it's like, whoever's going to make Bobby feel good, have them there. When he's like, I invited Monica and her girls. I talked with Monica. She's in a very abusive situation with her mom. We get a flashback to one week earlier in a scene where Monica says, I am so broken right now and seeing my mom and how she treated me like shattered something for me. My mom, I swear to you, finds different ways to hurt me every single day. And Lisa goes, I love when things are conveniently abusive. Ho, say what? Lisa came to fight. And when he's like, what do you mean, Lisa? You know what? You can be abused and you can also be abusive. If your mom's so horrible, fucking make changes. I don't think she's sincere in anything. So it seems like a convenient time to have this huge issue with her mother. And when he's like, really? At this point, I don't even value anything she says. And when he's like, Lisa, if you haven't been in a relationship that's abusive, you don't understand how hard it is to, one, even recognize that there's abuse there and manipulation and that it's toxic. But I'm like, you're bringing this on yourself. The way she treated her mother was horrible. And the destruction, destructive conversation she's having about Sean and Angie's marriage. It has nothing to do with her mother. It has everything to do with who Monica is. To me, it feels like an excuse. And it felt awfully convenient that she's like, oh my gosh, it's because of what I'm dealing with with my mother. It's because of how horrible my mother is. And then it's like, oh, feel so bad for me. Well, I don't feel bad for her. So Lisa just laid it down, man. Lisa laid pipe right there. Like that is wild. Saying that like, listen, you can be abused and you can also be abusive. And there is some truth to that. But at the same time, there is this empathy that Whitney has that Lisa just isn't willing. Lisa's already made up her mind. Just like Lisa made up her mind with Heather Gay that first season. And Whitney's like, I have to choose to believe Monica. Lisa in a confessional is like, you know, the bottom line is your trauma is not an excuse for you to treat us all like shit. And it's definitely not an excuse to go spread a rumor about our friend. And then in the scene, Lisa's like, to me, she's manipulative. We go to a commercial break. We come back. Oh, 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 oh. And we open the next scene at a bar where Heather is meeting Meredith. The ladies are greeting each other. You can leave. You want to talk about the movies? And then we talk about that. You know something's always in a jacuzzi with a girl. Don't believe that. Um, the ladies greet each other and they sit down at the bar. And Heather's like, how's it going? It's good. It's good. It's been like, um, it's been a busy day. Meredith seems very relaxed in this scene. Heather's like, right? It's life. I was just tracking a shipment because Georgie's shoes for prom haven't been delivered yet. What about the dress? Oh, the dress is here. And the dress is great. It's fabulous. Prom. Oh my God. Prom. 
your prom days are over. And Meredith's like, yeah, that's long gone. And Heather's like, isn't that crazy, though, how quickly it goes? Huh, I'll have grandchildren. And it just kind of hangs in the air. And Meredith just stares off and it's like, I'll have grandchildren. Grandma Meredith. Interesting. And Heather just stares at Meredith. And Heather's like, you said grandchildren. And it freaked me out. And then they both laugh. <laughs> and Heather's like, speaking of the kids, what do you think about Jack's mission? And I'm like, great, Heather. Let's not talk about anything in your life. Let's talk about a 17-year-old boy's life. And Meredith goes, um, it's so wild. You know, I mean, I didn't realize that it was like literally seven days a week, 365 days a year. Yeah, that's a common misconception about Mormon missions is Usually, it's just like a two-day, four-hour-a-day job, but it no, it really is seven days a week, three. I like that Meredith thought, I thought it was like volunteer work, like um, giving blood or something like that. I knew. I just had to took the Mormon out of you. I don't even know. It's crazy. I'm hearing a lot of rumors about the Mormon religion. Heather's like, yeah, it's hard, Meredith. It's a huge commitment, but like, poor Jack Barlow. He's got to go out there and preach, you know, Mormonism by the book. And Meredith goes, hardcore. It's hardcore. And Heather's like, and I don't think that's what he's been raised in. According to Lisa, he's been raised in East Coast Mormon, which I don't know if it translates. And Meredith's like, wait, there's such a thing as East Coast versus West Coast? And then I was like, oh shit, dude. It ain't just rap anymore. It's Mormon religion. Like, Oh, shit. Let's call our friend Snoop Dogg. East Coast versus West Coast Mormons? Oh, my God. This is the part where it cracked me up and this whole scene cracked me up because Heather so badly wants to be everything Mormon, even though she stepped away from the church. There's elements of a little Bethany Frankel reality reckoning here. It's like the Mormon reckoning where Heather's like, I've, you know, I've done it. I have done I have done the mission. I have missioned my little heart out. And now, all these years later, I don't believe the Mormon is the right religion anymore. I think Bravo is my new religion. Andy Cohen is my new religion. Um, but I just love this East Coast, West Coast. I had never heard of such a thing, but I like that there's potential battles where East Coast uh, Mormons look down on West Coast Mormons. And then there's like, no, 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 no. She just says that, um, Lisa just says she has a cool bishop so she can wear strapless dresses and she can sell tequila and she can sell. And Mary's like, wait, you can wear strapless dresses in the church? I, I Meredith said that and I almost thought Meredith was like, maybe I need to get out of Judaism and go to Mormonism because I love a strapless dress. Um we flash back to Greek Easter when Lisa told Heather that she was like, I'm going to wear a strapless dress to church and John agrees. And Heather's like, really? But at the same time, mind your fucking business, whatever. I don't, you know, like I, I really, I hope at the, I hope at the end, I hope if God exists and he's up there, I hope you don't like the first whole fucking week you have to go through your life. And he's like, what were those fucking old Navy jeans, Ryan? Like it made your ass look huge. Like your thighs were already big. They really, pl like if he's going through my fashion short churches, he's like, I was personally offended when you wore so much American Eagle outfitters your senior year of high school. Like if that happens, I, I'm just going to be like, so, it'll be such a bummer. You know, I'll be like, oh my God, now I'm here forever. God, if you, God, I'm so sorry, God. If I, I just, we're, we're having good fun here, right? Um, but I love all of these ins and out rules. And Heather's like, I had to do it the right way. And Lisa just comes in and she was always popular and she just gets to be, she gets to be the correct Mormon. It's just not fair. Heather's like, I'm like, please take me to your church, Lisa, because wherever you're practicing is a faith I've never known of, known of. And the sub 
fuck you, Lisa Barlow. <laughs> it's like, how dare you? I had to really, uh, I had to wear magic underwear. I had to wear a chastity belt. Uh, there was no part of my skin ever showing. And you're in there with your strapless little shoulders full of Taco, Taco Bell and Diet Coke. Heather in a confessional goes, you always cover your shoulders or you aren't worthy to enter the temple. Lisa's brand of Mormonism doesn't exist. It's like something, someone's taking a bag and hot glue gun, you know, two interlocking C's and called it Chanel. Okay, whoever wrote that line, that's cute. But um, also just mind your business, right? Like, you know, spirituality is a very personal thing. And I just find it funny when people really judge like, oh, you're not a good Catholic or you're a bad Mormon or you're a good. It's like, oh, my God, you guys, don't worry. At the end of the day, we're going to find out in the end. You know, like, don't worry. You don't need to worry about what Lisa wears at church because at the end of the day, it's not going to be your decision, you know? So Meredith goes, I guess at the end of the day. I love the Meredith brain. Well, I guess in summation, the moral of the story is faith is how you choose to, and then Meredith nods off. No, faith is how you choose to define it. And maybe, maybe the Mormon faith doesn't accept her definition, but uh, there you go. I don't know. I don't know. Heather in a confessional goes, it's just a hard pill for me to swallow because Lisa gets to be as nuanced of a Mormon as she wants, but I'm invalidated and excluded. Here we go. It comes back to Heather. This is the real issue. I'm excluded and just no longer welcome in the community. Heather is saying this in a full restaurant in Utah. Like, I want to see the shunning. Like, I want to see Heather shunned. I want to see people going, bad Mormon, get away. I want to see people picketing. I notice Heather in scenes all the time. I mean, like, she's out in public. I want to see people passing Heather and giving her dirty Mormon looks like, uh, you and your disgusting shoulders. I'm seeing all that skin. Like, where is the shunning? Because you keep telling us about it, and I'm sure it is real, obviously, in a sense. But it, it, this is becoming her whole personality, and I feel like maybe this is her storyline, and that's why it's being pushed so hard on us. But it's like, I want to know more about Heather. Like, what about your dating life, Heather? We found out more about your daughter than you. Like, you got to be more than just coming down on a kid's son for his mission. You, you're more than this. What's going on in your dating life? What's going on? Give us specific examples of the shuns. And Mary's like, wow, okay, wow, that's crazy. And Heather's like, so, I mean, how are you doing after cross-country skiing, Meredith? It's a great segue. We flash back to Whitney inviting Meredith to Bobby's birthday, but telling her Angie is also going to be there and she wants the party to be a safe space. So she's like, um, I want to tell you that Bobby's having a birthday. I would like you there, but NGK is also coming. I want this to be a safe space. And Mary's like, I mean, I do understand her concern about there being a fight at her daughter's birthday party. But that, to me, is very fair. It's very legitimate. So I'll bring a gift. I'll wish her a happy birthday and I'll, I'll dip out. <laughs> Maybe I should send her a text ahead of time and just say, you know, I'm coming by. I'm not going to stay a long time. And Heather's like, no, French exodus. It'll be great. And then they both laugh. <laughs> you can leave. By the way, that's what Meredith should like just pop into that roller skating party and go, you can leave. Everybody, Angie K, you can leave. Next scene, we arrive back at Whitney's and we see her and Bobby getting ready for the party. I really do love the relationship between Whitney and Bobby. It's very cute. And there is something exciting I remember about being like turning 13 and thinking like, oh my God, I turned this huge corner in life. I'm a man. Uh, you know, I'm starting to get pubes. Ah, I'm joking. It's a family show. But, you know, no, I mean, I was growing up. Like, it was really exciting and scary and all of those things. Whitney's like, I just can't believe you're 13. It'd 
feels like yesterday that I had you. And Bobby tries to respond, but somebody's doing her makeup and she isn't sure how to talk while they're putting on makeup. She's like, am I allowed to talk about your makeup? Like, it was very cute. She starts laughing and Bobby's like, can I talk? And Whitney's like, yeah, you can still talk. And Bobby's like, I don't know. I've never done lip liner. You can just be normal. Just be normal, Bobby. And we see Bobby kind of contorting her lips, obviously unsure about how to hold her mouth while this guy is putting on the lip gloss, but she starts laughing. You can tell she's just so excited. And Bobby's like, I can't, I can't be normal. <laughs> and everybody's laughing. The dad's in the room. And Whitney's like, relax your mouth, relax. And Bobby's like, I can't, I'm laughing. <laughs> There's a flash over to Justin watching this. And I, I will say, remember last week's storyline where Justin was like, sorry, babe. I got to work. I got to put bread on this table. I can't be there for both parties. How did it change all of a sudden? And where was that conversation that he was like, oh, just kidding. I quit. Like, where? why is he here at this party? Whitney in a confessional is like, watching my baby girl get glam. It feels like, by the way, uh, Bethany Frankel's show that it, it got passed on by Bravo was like housewives in training with little kids. We could get Bobby in there. Watching my baby girl get glam. It feels like last week was her first birthday party and i remember bobby diving into her cake as one year old and it was her first time having sugar and we see a picture of that i can't believe i'm sitting here looking at a teenager bobby looks at herself in the mirror when they finish her makeup and bobby's like whoa i have eyebrows and everyone starts laughing again it was very cute next thing we arrive at heather's house with her and her daughters and heather's like georgia you want to come help me wrap some of these presents annabelle and georgie uh come into the kitchen to help heather wrap the gifts for bobby's party and georgia's like who's all coming and there's like all of whitney's relatives and i wonder if you know what i'm gonna call angie k because i wonder if she's bringing electra i really think you can be like big sisters to her girls heather facetimes angie k and holds up a stuffed unicorn to the camera to say hello and angie k is like that is so cute a stuffed unicorn oh and heather's like Wait, are you getting glammed? What's underneath your jacket? And Angie K's like, a little bedazzle girl. And Heather's like, Angie, that is not a Hawaiian sunset theme. And Angie K's like, you're right. It isn't very Hawaiian, but it's sort of disco derby. And Heather's like, yeah, it's roller skating for sure. It's great. I mean, you look good. And Angie K's like, you look pretty. And Heather's like, thank you. We're excited. We're going to have some fun tonight. Do you know everyone that's coming? And Angie K's like, you know what? I've only talked to Lisa today. And Heather's like, is Jack coming? Is Lisa coming? Heather, like, says the sons, is Jack Barlow coming? My new mission is to talk to Jack Barlow about his mission. Angie K's like, I think both the kids are coming. Did you hear the good news? He's going to Columbia for his mission. And Heather's like, he got his mission call? And Angie K's like, yeah, Lisa did a whole announcement yesterday at her little brunch. And Heather's like, wait, so she did an announcement. Angie K, have you gone on Amazon lately? Have you typed in Bad Mormon and seen that I wrote a book called bad mormon why wasn't i there flashback to one day earlier at the brunch with lisa john henry jack whitney justin angie k and sean and jack's like yo i'm going to bogota columbia yo angie k's like yeah she had a little brunch you know what honestly it was just so small it wasn't small there was like 70 kids there heather's like who was there and angie k's like justin and whitney lisa's family and heather's like oh an intimate gathering of um okay it sounds like her best supporters and angie k's like oh heather I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Heather in a confessional goes, this just feels like more of the same rejection I have been experiencing, but it stings, especially more coming from Lisa Barlow because you're loosey-goosey about Mormonism, you and your damn shoulders, except when it comes down to excluding me, then all of a sudden, you know, you're a soldier for the gospel. How does Heather not get this through her thick head? Are you kidding me? 
Like this is easy. Like you, if somebody is doing this, the family supports it. We don't want somebody that just like legitimately wrote a book about all the things that are wrong in the church and their experience. Like that's not the time to do it at an announcement party, a celebration. I mean, why can't Heather see that? It's just day class A, let people come to it when they need to come to it. Like I don't agree with the tenets of the Mormon faith at all. Um, I don't. And I have a lot of friends that were raised in the Mormon religion, but I do sometimes, you know, there's little aspects that you respect. And I think trying to be closer to some sort of higher power, there is something noble in that. And there's also something noble in wanting to serve something other than yourself. Um, I don't agree with the Mormon church, but I do agree that it is interesting and sometimes really good about like trying to help other people. It's just, it's that simple. And I think that's what you see with a lot of Mormons is that they're just so hopped up on the spirits and uh, it's before, you know, life's beaten them down in a sense. And that's why I think potentially why they have youths do it because they are so full of vim and vigor and their eyes are full of like sunshine and promise before they move to Los Angeles and become a podcaster. Um, so Heather in this scene goes, so that'll be a fun night, Angie K. I'll just avoid her tonight so I don't like lose my temper. Yeah, Heather, come at Lisa Barlow. See how that goes. Uh, we come back from commercial. Oh, oh, oh. We go back to Whitney's house. We see that little dancing Whitney in the corner. I'm dancing in the lower half of the screen. Um, Bobby's friends arrive at her house to wish her a happy birthday. It's the big day, folks. They get on a party bus. This girl got a party bus at 13 years old. I wasn't on my first party bus until I was 26, damn it. I was talking about this. Like My buddy Nick used to rent party buses at, like once a year, and he would pr- like do this whole downtown tour. And actually, my bachelor party when I got married uh, was... Uh, a party bus and went from haunt to haunt and it was just so fun but i will tell you it's wild man these party buses that's another thing like i don't trust a 13 year old in a golf cart golf cart i don't trust 26 year olds in party buses i remember being on the top of the double decker party bus and the thing was open i almost knocked my head off under like a bridge and i was like holy shit like it was like i was like i almost died i mean we're just up there doing jaeger shots we've all gone to arizona state university by the way i don't know why i keep saying that i've gone to arizona state university so much lately it's just been really in my head um (laughs) anyways the kids are like happy birthday bobby and they get on this party bus and the party bus is taking them to the skating rink and it just it's just nice to see kids having a fun time we see all the ladies arriving greeting each other and some of them are putting them on their skates but now we see the pièce de résistance the soda station and it, it looks incredible they have all these like uh like little add-ons and bobby's like i'll take a dr pepper with peach raspberry and coconut flavoring and i was like that sounds like shit that sounds like horrible, horrible stuff right there. Like imagine, and I don't know why I'm even coming down on it because the amount of dry Diet Coke I drink, shout out to Lisa Barlow, is truly frightening and disgusting. I started off the year, remember, uh, I went like four months or four or five months without drinking Diet Coke. And then when all the shit happened with my mom, I was like, it's either start smoking cigarettes again or hit that Diet Coke. And I, I fell off that wagon hard. I fell, I, uh, you know, <laughs> sorry. You know, it's like I say a lot of horrible things on this, but you would be impressed at how many things that I don't say that like get stuck right into my mouth and I'm about to say. And I'm like, zip it, zip it. Zip it. Um, but I love these kids like hopped up on sugar. They're like, give me more Dr. Pepper. Lisa meets Whitney's mom. We see Whitney's mom and talks about how you look pretty. And Heather's shouting, I need a drink. 
Heather also then goes and pisses and pukes in a corner. No, I'm joking. Uh, she's like, what does a girl have to do at a 13-year-old birthday to get a drink? And someone hands her a drink. We see the ladies skating, some with their kids, some with each other. John Barlow and Justin, they are holding hands and skating together. Hey, no more rumors just about Angie Kay's husband. Why don't a new hot couple enters the villa? Seth Marks in the house. What's up, you guys? I'm here. It's me, Seth. All right, all right. You guys ready to roller skate? I'm ready to do this. My beard is trim. I'm feeling good. I love my wife. She's got big hooters. I love hooters. Did I tell oh, it's a 13-year-old's birthday. <laughs> it's just great. I'm just happy to be here, you guys. Um, we talk about Jack's upcoming mission and how John Barlow was sent to Vegas. And Seth is like, I would have been done the first week. <laughs> you would have found me on the penny slots trying to convince a Wheel of Fortune machine to join, to join the Mormon religion. <laughs> I'm Seth. Whitney skates over and she's like, I'm skating over to visit with Lisa and NGK. And Lisa's like, an in-rolls Malibu Barbie. And then Monica skates over to Meredith and Heather. So I love that this scene is on roller skates. It gives it like a dynamic. Like I said, there's like a little bit of a Fast and Furious vibe. It's very active. And this is how ridiculous Salt Lake is, but I go there with Salt Lake because if you put roller skates on sometimes like the Beverly Hills ladies, I'd be like, boo. But there is something so ridiculous about having all of these ladies in roller skates. You have fucking Angie K in pigtails. It's just a lot. And I love every second of it. Monica skates over and Monica's like, did you see me out there? The Olympian. And Mary's like, no, I didn't, Monica. I didn't see you out there, honey. And when then we go to back to Whitney, Lisa, and Angie K all in roller skates. And when he's like, have you had a chance to see Heather? And Angie K's like, Lisa, I was super excited about Jack's announcement. And I told her how he was going to Columbia. And Lisa's like, oh, oh, oh. And Angie K's like, and look, it was kind of like, what did you tell her, Angie K? And Angie K's like, it just came out that I was super excited for him. And I think she felt hurt that she wasn't involved or invited to the announcement. And Lisa's like, I don't really think it's that big of a deal. Lisa in a confessional was like, inviting Heathers to Jack's mission brunch doesn't make sense to me. She made it very clear at Easter. Uh, excuse me, Greek Easter at Angie K's. She's Greek. That she doesn't think it's a good idea that Jack's going on a mission. So I'm like, shocked that she feels hurt, but Heather and I are in a much better place and I don't want this non-invite to become a big deal. And Lisa's like, I need a dirty Diet Coke. <laughs> Every Diet Coke I drink is dirty because I'm the bad boy of podcasting. We're back over to that Meredith, Heather, and Monica scene and Meredith's like, I'm just so ready to go. And Monica's like, no, already? And Heather's like, if you'll excuse me. And Monica's like, dang, she's leaving in a hurry. Meredith walks away and we see her going to tell Seth. She's like, it's time to go. And Seth's like, I'm just getting started here. I'm with the guys. We're talking shop. We're talking about Hooters and God. And then we see Lisa ordering, like, I'd like a dirty Diet Coke with a shot of cream. And Heather's like, Lisa didn't come over here. Are you guys not good at all right now? Are you fine? And Monica's like, literally, ever since I said that Lisa Barlow was materialistic, Lisa's been mad at me. And Heather's like, she ignored you? And Monica's like, yeah. And I was like, how much have you talked about your relationship with your mom with Lisa? And Monica's like, I don't talk to Lisa at all. And Heather goes, why would she know anything about your relationship with your mom? And Monica's like, um, I have no idea. Why? And Heather's like, well, Whitney said, Lisa said she thinks that your relationship with your mom is embellished and that you're like exaggerating it for attention. Then we get a flashback to two days prior when Whitney and Heather are talking. And Whitney's like, Lisa just went off on Monica yesterday. Like I was bashing her, saying all these things about her. Um, and Heather's like, 
she thinks she's lying about her relationship with her mom. And Whitney's like, she's not buying the story. Can I talk about these flashbacks? I've noticed this, especially in Salt Lake City. Now, these flashbacks can be really overused, especially when they're showing us something that we already saw from another episode. But the flashbacks in Salt Lake are different because they're scenes that we've never seen. So they're these little scenes to fill in the blanks. And it's frustrating because I wonder how they're produced. I wonder how much talking gets left on the floor because they're just trying to get those three sentences. We're just trying to get Whitney to say, Lisa went off on Monica yesterday. She was bashing her. Heather's like, does she know about the mom thing? And Whitney's like, she's not buying the mom story. That's the three lines. But I'm wondering how long they shoot for and call it a day to get those three lines. Do you know what I'm saying? But they do that repeatedly in Salt Lake. Just count how many scenes they do flashbacks to that we see like 10 second clip that we've never seen in a previous episode. So it's a different way to do a flashback. But sometimes I'm like, can't we just tell it linear? Why do we have to do, can we just tell it in a linear fashion? But I want to, Salt Lake producers, if you're listening, I noticed, I noticed. I like that you're trying something new. Uh, Monica in this scene goes, Lisa doesn't know anything about me. I feel like Lisa's obsessed with me. And Heather's like, ha, 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 And Monica's like, like my name stays in Lisa's mouth. Like choke on it, Lisa. I mean, I just can't imagine being middle-aged and so bitter. Fuck off, Lisa. Like if your life is so perfect, go live it and be happy. And Monica's like, I, I was like, damn, this Monica. I really do want to talk to Monica on the podcast. And I just thought of a question today while I was like watching this again. I was like, I want Monica to humiliate me. <laughs> like, I want Monica, somebody that I don't know. I bet she could make me cry in like 30 seconds. Like, I want to ask her to do a read on me. Like, hey, just out of the you're like, oh, what up, you fucking middle-aged podcaster? You even look like a bedwetter. And I'll be like, did you hear the podcast? No, you just legitimately look like a bedwetter. You look like you went to ASU. You're a little chunky. And uh, you, you, you look like you smell. And I'd be like, oh, my God, she nailed nailed it um but that was like a really intense thing like fuck off lisa and others like i know girl and monica's like why do you care about my relationship with my mom so much like why does lisa care monica the confessional is like i am trying so hard not to say something and to remember that this is a little girl's birthday party could you imagine that it would be like the scene from carrie that 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 stephen king movie or <laughs> with Sissy Spacek. She just completely ruins this 13-year-old girl's birthday party. Monica's like, you know, she has special powers, like the doors of the roller skating rink. Like she controls them with her mind. All of a sudden, like a bucket of blood drops on Monica. And she's like, fuck Lisa Barlow. You can leave. I, is there something bad? There is something bad that every scene with Meredith now, I just want her to be fed drinks. So she can be like, you want to talk about You can fuck off. Anyways, she's like, I'm trying not to say this at a little girl's birthday party, and I don't need to be the auntie that that's ready to turn up, but actually try and keep my mouth shut. I'm telling you, it could be like an Olympic sport. So she's saying how much effort it's taking her to keep her mouth shut. Now, it is interesting, though. It shows a different shade of Monica that we've seen in little pieces, but we've seen Monica be really nice. We've seen her go through this stuff with her mom, but we cannot forget that Monica has an acid tongue, that she is not some damsel in distress. She is ready to throw down at a moment's notice, and I think that's important important to point out. So she's not some like wilting flower that needing to be saved. Lisa rolls over to Monica. And this is what I'm talking about. Fucking Lisa Barlow rolling over on roller skates. She's like, Hey, and I was like, Hey, what's going on? And there's like, well, we were just talking about, um, Whitney told me that you think Monica's embellishing the issues with her mom. And Lisa's like, wait, what? And then we go to a commercial break. We come back and Lisa's like, it was a snarky comment. That's all it was. Thank you, Lisa. I love that Lisa like was like, yeah, I said it. 
It was meant to be hurtful. <laughs> it was meant to be mean and asshole of me. That's what it was. Lisa in the confessional was like, wow, word travels fast in this group. Lisa goes, like, I was excited to meet your mom, Monica, and your girls at Easter. And I thought that was like a disaster. Monica was like, it was a disaster. It was a total disaster. And I feel like she was trying to smooth things over. And Monica's like, listen, my mom was very, very charming and very charismatic and very nice. And guess what? So was Ted Bundy. My mom has two sides. She is very, very abusive. My kids don't even want to be around her. Like, there is a lot that you don't know. This is the second episode in a row that Ted Bundy has been brought up. I want to let you remember it, uh, Heather's Tailgate. Like they brought up Ted Bundy then. Like, what is the Ted Bundy? This, this fucking Salt Lake, it's fucking weird as hell. I'm telling you, this place is like Twin Peaks. There's weird shit going on. So Lisa's like, why did you bring her to the... <laughs> Why did you bring her to Easter then? Why did you even have her there? And Monica's like, well, we have a very up and down relationship. It's very high highs and very low lows. And Lisa's like, okay, I was just wondering if your mom helps with your kids, if she's present in their life. And like, and Monica's like, you want to ask them? Because they're here. No, Monica, I don't want to ask your kids that question. And Monica's like, well, because I feel like you don't believe in anything I say. Maybe you need to hear it from a fucking five-year-old. And I'm like, woo, shit. Monica, Lisa, it is popping off. And Monica in a confessional goes, my girls have absolutely vocalized frustrations about their Vovo. I guess Vovo is like grandma in, um, well, you know, in, in some, some, some other language, some other non-English. And uh, flashback to Monica shopping with her daughter one week earlier. So this is another one of those scenes I just told you about where they set up the cameras, they, they filmed Monica and her daughter shopping. And it's like, um, the, the little girl goes, you know that what Bobo is doing to us doesn't reflect how you are as a mom, mom. Like, imagine, I, I don't know, there's something so sad that they had a kid on camera. Like, it was like, imagine if my mom, Becky Bailey, had me, like, go on camera to talk shit about one of my grandmas. Like, I would just feel bad about that. Monica in a confessional goes, my kids can see that she is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And Lisa's like, Monica, I don't want to have this negative, like, raising voice conversation. And Monica's like, who's raising their voice, Lisa? You are. This is a raised voice. Lisa turns to Heather and is like, I'm just telling you the perception of the situation. My perception of the situation is different than that. And Monica's like, just like my mom. Did you catch that when I went to dinner with my mom and my mom didn't like what I was saying and she turned to a plant? We get a flashback to Monica and her mom at the dinner from hell. And Monica's like, I see through your bullshit, mom. And Linda's like, I'm going to talk to the plant. And Monica's like, that's amazing. And Linda goes, her labels don't hurt me anymore. And then Monica's like, talk to the bullshit plant, mom. Talk to the bullshit plant. The bullshit plant will be at the reunion. So that's going to be exciting. Heather in a confessional is like, so if I'm getting this right, Lisa is now Linda, Monica's mom, and I'm the plant. <laughs> and I also have a book called Bad Mormon. It's on sale now. Uh, Lisa's like, now she's labeling me. And Monica's like, I'm labeling you. And Heather's like, this is not good labeling. And Lisa goes, I'm like Ted Bundy. Okay. Ah, another Ted Bundy reference. Monica just brought it up. And now Lisa just brought it up. Why don't we get a different serial killer into the mix? I mean, like, honestly, what is the, the Ted Bundy fascination here? 
Uh, Heather in a confessional was like, I'd prefer to be compared to a plant than a serial killer. I'll take it. I'll take it. And Lisa's like, listen, you know what? I'm not interested in having these like erratic, crazy conversations. Maybe you're more like your mom than you think you are. Maybe you're the exact same person and I'm not interested. And Monica's like, okay, bye. And then Lisa skates away. That's what I'm saying. Like they get that intense, like little fight scene. And then Monica's like, Lisa's like, like on roller skates. It's so fun. Monica's like, bye, Regina. Skate away. Bye, 50-year-old wannabe. Whoa. And Lisa's like, Monica, you're going to age too. And Monica's like, bye. You're a mean girl. Bye-bye. And then Lisa to Angie's like, she said I'm just like her mom after equating her to Ted Bundy. 50-year-old wannabe? She wants to be me. She wishes she could have what I have. She wishes she could eat as much Taco Bell and drink as much soda as I do. That's why she carries fake Chanel. We see clips from the party. Everyone seems to be having fun. This is the scene where Whitney, Bobby runs up to like Whitney and Whitney's like, slow down on the Dr. Pepper, Bobby. And Bobby's like, I'm 13, mom. I can drink as fucking much Dr. Pepper as I want, girl. Back off. Where's my fucking golf cart? Whitney calls everyone to the ring to sing happy. It's like, happy birthday, dear Bobby. Happy birthday to you. And then they reveal the golf cart. And I thought it was going to be some little golf cart. This golf cart looks like some Puff Daddy would drive. It's like a Pimp My Ride golf cart. Heather's like, okay, they're about to go. And Lisa's like, I want to talk to you real quick. But also more back to this golf cart. It's just very dangerous. I don't like it. I'm very scared about the golf cart. Okay, so you guys have my feelings on record. If any, if anybody asks about the golf cart, so bad it's good, is not in support of this golf cart shenanigans. So Lisa's like, Heather, I'm not excluding you from anything. It's just hard because, and Heather's like, oh, um, the mission announcement brunch? It's a fine balance because you're on your own journey, and I feel like you're mitigating your way through it. And Heather's like, yeah. And Lisa's like, so it's like, oh my God, let me throw this in your face. Jack's going to go do something and you're walking away from that something. And Heather's like, no, I get it. Oh, do you, Heather? Then stop talking about it in fucking scenes. Lisa's like, so it's like a fine balance, but I don't want it to be a weird thing. And Heather's like, listen, it's just... It's this great divide that exists in Utah. We know it. You know, when people leave the church and have to keep keep it separate. And Lisa's like, no, it's not about that. Listen, I'm respectful of your journey. Like, I'm happy for you. And others like, it's not a journey, Lisa. I just like, I want to be like, it's just, I'm just like, I'm just like existing, you know? <laughs> it's not like a journey. It's like a vibe. I'm just like, I'm just like doing my thing. I'm just... By the way, Heather has called it a journey before. The journey that she's on, I just want to point that out. Jack Barlow skates up. He's like, hey, what's up? Hey, Heather. Hey, what's going on? Hi, Jack. Congratulations on your mission call. Heather's like sign languaging, like, do you need help, Jack? Do you need help? And Jack's like, ah, thank you. All right. And Lisa's like, tell Heather where you're going. Oh, I'm going to Bogota, Colombia. Congratulations. Or should I say, felicidades. And Jack's like, see, see. And Heather's like, that's very cool. And Jack's like, it is exciting. Heather's like, it is exciting. Yeah. And Lisa's like, she speaks French. She did her mission in Cannes. And Jack's like, oh, really sick. And Heather's like, Yes, yeah, south of like all along the south of France. Like, you know, Lisa's like, Sandro Pay. And Jack's like, oh my God, that is so sick, dog. And Heather's like, where's your mom secretly? Where That's actually where your mom secretly wanted you to go, but she'll never admit it. And Jack's like, yep, I know. And Lisa's like, no, he knows. I already told him. But listen, that's not excluding you. And Jack's like, okay, peace, guys. Bye. And he just skates away. 
And Lisa's like, it's being respectful of you. And Heather's like, it's just more the Mormon stuff that triggers me, not Jack, you know? Like, have you heard of this book that I wrote? It's called Bad Mormon. It's um, It was a bestseller, and you can get it for a very low price. There's going to be a paper book at some... Anyway, that's not even important. Um, it's just, like, I just... It's like, you know, it just triggers me. It's like not being included in the brunch. And Lisa's like, the way I live it. And Heather's like, yes, the fact that you're not a Mormon, but you get to wear the title, it's not fair. And Lisa's like, no, I am. I am a Mormon. I am, though. I just think that it's not Heather's place to say, you're not a Mormon. Like, this is where it's like that dick swinging contest. And I'm like, what are you guys, like, what? We're fighting over, like, okay, if Heather's the bad Mormon, Lisa's can just be a Mormon. Um... And I was like, you are not, Lisa. You are the least Mormon person on the planet. Like, I love that Heather has escaped from the church, but she's still as judgmental as somebody in the church. And Lisa's like, I'm 100% Mormon. And Heather's like, okay. And Lisa's like, that's why my kid's serving the Lord. And she has like this smile, like, ha ha. And Heather starts laughing. And Lisa's like, 100% Heather. Heather in a confessional goes, looking back on everything Lisa and I have been through, we flash back to all the times Heather and Lisa have had conflicts. And I wish there was like a boys to men. So it's been ah, ah, to say goodbye to yesterday. Like all of the fights, all of the conversations. Remember, Lisa and Heather from the jump because they went to college together and she was the good time girl, according to Lisa. Heather's like, we fought a lot, me and Lisa, but we also have a lot in common. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're like, we all, we both have skin. <laughs> we both have fingernails, um, you know, and, and, and we wear clothing on our bottoms. Um, and she goes, and being able to talk to Lisa openly feels like a huge breakthrough for our friendship. I do want to point out Lisa's the one that talked openly with Heather, not the other way around. Heather went around her back and talked to all the friends about Jack Barlow. Um, Heather goes, I can be supportive of her as a mother. I can be supportive of her children, even though I disagree, you know, with the concept of Jack going on a mission. We know. And Heather's like, we got this, Lisa. We got this. And Lisa's like, yeah. The party's coming to an end, and we see little Bobby on um, the golf cart, just doing fucking wheelies in the parking lot. It was really scary to watch. And, uh, she was just doing stunts. It was very, she was Tokyo drifting out there. Lisa walks over to Monica, Whitney and Angie K to say goodbye. She hugs Whitney and Angie and just waves in Monica and walks away. Like, ah, you just get a wave. Angie K goes, look, Monica, we're all in the middle. And like, it's awkward. You've got to take time to fix this. Angie K uniting, not dividing. Commercial break. We come back. We arrive at Lisa Barlow's house. We see Lisa and John talking in their bedroom, which, by the way, the bedroom looked very sparse. And also, did you see the big bed frame on the bottom, the foundation of the bed? It had these huge, like, wings on each side that looked like they jutted out three feet. And all I just thought was, like, I would fucking kill myself in the middle of the night going out to go pee and then coming back to bed. I could just see it hitting my shins and just, like, falling into the bed. Did you guys see this? But there's not a lot of decor in their house. Like, it's just weird. Um... And John's like, hey, when's the new bedding coming? And Lisa's like, oh, I think it's going to come Tuesday or Wednesday. And then Whitney's going to come over and show me a new way to make the bed. Well, that sounds like a fascinating scene. And John's like, you mean better than what I can do? And Lisa's like, um, better than we both can do. I like that Whitney's like, Whitney's a professional bed maker. Oh my gosh, I'm still like decompressing from this ridiculous weekend. And John's like, it wasn't too ridiculous from my perspective, but I didn't deal with my, as much as you did. This John Barlow, I, I, he, he seems like a solid guy. It just, it's interesting. I, it's just interesting. It's interesting. I like John Barlow. Flashback to John and Justin skating together at the party. And John's like, 
what happened with you and Monica? I was talking uh, with Ben and all of a sudden it was like, you appeared right there and you were like, she's crazy. She is crazy, Don. No, like honestly, it was so weird. Monica seems like she pretty much seems miserable or jabby every time I'm around her. I don't even know. She just starts spewing crazy stuff. She equated her mother to Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy is the drinking word of the night. Make sure you are 21 and over and you have a designated driver. And then she said I was like her mother because I feel like I can't talk to her. And John's like, did it get resolved? And Lisa's like, no, because she's impossible to talk to. And then when we were leaving, I saw Angie was like having a full-on conversation with Monica. Angie's not being honest about her relationship with Monica. And if they're fine, great. John's like, which is fine, but don't tell me you're not. We get a flashback to three days earlier. Another one of these where Lisa and Angie K are talking and Lisa's like what does any of this have to do with her mother apologize for your bad behavior her behavior was repulsive and Angie K's like girl I'm there with you we come back to this scene and Lisa's like it doesn't make any sense to me and John's like mm-hmm. Lisa's phone buzzes bzz, bzz, with a text from Whitney can't wait to see you at my prism event. And then Lisa starts typing it. You notice she types with her thumb and then another like random finger. Also, look at the phone. This is I watch these shows way too hard. It didn't look like actually anything was filling in on the bubble screen when they had the sound of the typing. <laughs> I'm just picky that way. John's like, um, got it. Yeah. And Lisa's just typing, ignoring John. And John's like, just awkward silence. And John's like, okay, um, I guess, uh, good luck. And Lisa just keeps looking at the phone. And John's like, well, um, uh, if you need to bounce anything off me, I mean, just feel free. And Lisa's still typing. And John's like, um, okay, well, I'm going to I'm gonna go out, let Kendall uh, out back real fast, the dog. And then he walks away. And Lisa's like, love you. New scene. We're at Heather's house getting her daughter ready from prom. She's steaming her daughter's dress. It's very pretty. And Heather's like, "Are you? where are you going for dinner? And she's like, I don't know, Mom. I think it's like a really expensive steakhouse. That's all I know. And Heather's like, are you nervous? I already asked you that. And they both laugh. And Heather's like, I'm nervous. Heather in a confessional is like, there was a time when I wasn't sure that Georgia would be going to prom because the Mormons all go together with other Mormons. But then Adi came, ADI came into the picture. They've been dating for a couple months, and he's a great kid. His parents immigrated from Bosnia. He's a Muslim, and he's not part of that Mormon scene. And I'm so grateful that they have each other. They're in their own group. This kid looks like a good looking kid. He, you know, you know, we just saw a couple of pictures of him come to the door, but he looked like a good seed. Heather's like, are you going to kiss him, Georgie? And Georgie's like, I don't know. And Heather's like, you do know. Don't you lie to me. That was the weakest. I don't know. I've ever heard. Heather seems like she's potentially one of those girls, like one of those ladies. that's like, describe in detail your kiss. Okay. Let me close my, describe. Okay. Okay. He reaches for you. <laughs> she just seems like she really wants to know. Heather's like uh, in the confessional, this is Georgia's first boyfriend without the constraints of purity culture that she was raised in. This is a real boyfriend that she really likes, and I'm not sure how to navigate it as a mom, but I want to support it. You know, I had a boyfriend for a year, and we didn't make out lying down for like nine months. And then we did once, and then he called me the next day and said, we're never doing that again. So I'm like kind of hoping that Georgia can have a much more normalized version of a relationship at her age. Now, you guys, that's a real, that's real, that's real. Like, you know, it might not be the most dynamic or bombastic, but it's real. That's real. That, you know, that's a real life situation. It's a real life scenario. And so I like that for Heather. I want to know more about stuff like this. Heather finishes George's hair and makeup and she puts on her dress and they're very excited. And George is like, it's literally like Cinderella. And next we go to Whitney's prism pop-up shop and she's getting everything set up and Lisa arrives and Lisa's like, Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Are you recovered from Bobby's party or no? And Whitney's like, no, I am so 
I'm so tired right now. <laughs> so I'm so I'm so tired right now. Help me. I'm so tired. And Lisa's like, do you need help with anything? When he's like, I think this is just the final touch. Who did you invite that I would know? I invited everyone. Everyone? Heather, Meredith. Is Heather coming today? Um, no. We flash over to Heather's house and we see Georgia leaving for prom with her date. Um, and then we come back to this scene and Lisa's like, is Meredith coming? And Whitney's like, no, she is not. We flash over to Meredith that's working at Meredith Mark's Boutique in the heart of Salt Lake City. And she's like, yeah, sure, like these earrings. Like, sure, great. We got to maybe do a little something with these earrings. It's very good. And then we come back and Lisa's like, so I'll probably know some of the people here. And Whitney's like, most of these people are clientele. Oh, amazing. Like, this is our first pop-up shop in Salt Lake. And Lisa's like, I love it. Whitney in a confessional goes, Prism is very much a full circle moment of my own spirituality. I've always been into crystals healing. So each piece is designed with a specific intention in mind. So today we're going to create an energy that inspires people to connect with the jewelry and the shop. Whitney goes, now let's turn up the music, open the doors and sell some jewelry. The party gets started. People begin to arrive. It is hopping, you guys. Spirituality is abound. And Whitney and Lisa are both walking around, mingling with people. Hi, I'm Lisa. Hi, I'm Whitney. Discussing the jewelry, taking photos. Justin arrives and tells Whitney, he's like, you look hot as fuck, babe. And she's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Really? So I guess, you know, their relationship is on the mend. And then Angie K arrives and goes and says hello to Lisa. And Lisa's like, how do you feel after last night? And Angie Kay's like, um, it was a kid's birthday party with a lot of adult drama. And Lisa's like, I was having the best time. I was drinking a dirty Diet Coke. And then I left. And I'm like, just irritated because I'm like, done. And Angie's like, I know. It's hard, Lisa, because after you left, the conversation continued with Monica. This is what she's putting out there to everybody else. Lisa doesn't want to believe that I'm in an abusive relationship, she said. And Lisa's like, I don't know what kind of relationship she's in. I saw it for two hours at your house on Easter. I know. I mean, it doesn't even make any sense. Let me talk for a second, Ange. When I saw your house with someone treating her mother poorly, I made a judgment call. I would never treat my mother other like that. What's her problem with me? She has an issue with me. And Angie Kay's like, I called that out. I did. Let me finish, Ange. <laughs> By the way, Lisa's speaking in huge monologues and Angie would be like, hey, let me finish, Ange, please. I need to get this out. Um, She's like, she has an issue with me. And Angie's like, I don't know. I just want a storyline. Like, that's all I'm like, please, can we go back to my husband? I, I don't know where he is. Is he on the streets? Let's talk about him. Um, Angie's like, I only know what she told me, Lisa. I mean, all we can go is off her words. And Lisa's like, okay, but I'm going off her actions. And then we see Monica arrive at the party. And Angie Kay's like, I don't like where she went with you last night. Look, I had your back, Lisa. I'm telling you, I need a drink. Like, this is boring. <laughs> I don't know if she meant the conversation or the prism. She's like, I miss the kids roller skating party. This is weird. Angie Kay's like, okay, let's get a drink. Monica walks over to talk to Angie Kay at the bar. And Angie Kay's like, um, last night was, uh, I left there kind of overwhelmed. Honestly, I'm feeling like I'm in between you and Lisa and a little bit right now, Monica. And Monica's like, but that's on Lisa. Lisa is putting you in the middle. I'm not going, I'm not talking shit on you, Lisa. I'm not talking shit on Lisa to you. I'm not. You guys bring her up. And Angie Kay's like, I know, but you guys both went low again last night. Get low, get low, get low, 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 low. And Monica's like, but I feel like you guys are the ones that keep bringing it up. Do you see? I've been here for five minutes. 
five minutes and it's already coming at me with Lisa, 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 Lisa in the cult jam. And Angie K's like, I just walked away from her. That's all. That's all. And Monica's like, I know. But do you see what I'm saying? I don't bring it up. I don't start it. It's always brought to me. The party is still going and Whitney is mingling. Lisa comes and sits down next to her and Lisa's like, I know you have a lot going on right now. But Angie just came up to me and said like some crazy. And when he's like, I really need to give a speech so people know what's going on. Like <laughs> when he's like, I'm trying to spell sell stuff because I've spent a lot of money on this stuff and please don't break stuff. Um, someone tells Whitney, I was like, Hey, it's time for your speech. When he's like, okay, I'll be right back. Whitney walks over to give her speech and Lisa goes over to Angie K and grabs her arm. He's like, come on. And Angie K to Monica goes, okay, come on. And Monica's like, hurry, go. She's pulling you away. And Lisa's like, Monica, chill the fuck out. It's too much. And Monica's like, you are so bothered by me. I love it. Woo! Oh, shit, folks. Angie K's like, I'm in the middle of this sandwich here, <laughs> but I'm just so happy to be on this show. And Monica's like, oh, look. Oh, Lisa's getting hot. And Angie K's like, no, Monica. And Lisa's like, I'm not interested. You bore me. And Lisa tries to walk away. And Angie K's like, Lisa, stay here. And Monica's like, walk away, Lisa. Hurry, hurry. She's boring. Monica's like, she's pulling at you. And Angie K's like, stop. And Lisa's like, somebody needs attention. It is funny. Lisa keeps trying to walk. And Angie K keeps grabbing her back. Monica's like, that would be you that needs attention, Lisa. And Lisa's like, look right there. We're here for Whitney. So stop right now. Knock it off. And Monica's like, you're not my mother. <laughs> Fudge college. You're not my mother. I feel like Monica's like on her way to Kyle Richards territory where she's like, I'm going to start getting tattoos next season. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's very, okay. We're in the home stretch folks. This is the big final big fight. Angie, Lisa, Monica, Whitney's about to take the stage to give her, you know, give her a big speech. And Lisa's like, somebody needs attention. And Monica's like, that would be you. And Lisa's like, look right there. We're here for Whitney. So stop right now. Knock it off. And Monica's like, you're not my mother. So I don't need to listen to you. I mean, it really is. It's like, I wonder what Freud would do with this situation. Like Monica is clearly exhibiting these like, you can't tell me what to do. Ah! And Angie Kay's like, let's make Whitney feel like we're all here just living in the moment. And Lisa's like, no one wants to be her mother, clearly. And Monica can hear that. And I'm like, damn, this is getting low blow after low blow. It's mono e mono. It's Ollie versus Frazier. Monica in a confessional is like, wow, you're pretty fucking disgusting to talk about how my own mother doesn't want me. And I'm absolutely at my tipping point right now. The only thing I wish she had brought up is like, Ted Bundy. Whitney begins her speech. And when he's like, I'm really, um, uh, and Monica to Angie K about Whitney goes, she has the best legs. And Angie K is like, I know. And Lisa to Angie K goes, don't be fake as fuck. <laughs> Lisa's like, don't agree with her about her legs. Whitney continues. Like I'm loving prism. It's very good to have everybody here. And Lisa's like, you can't have it both ways. Angie K and Angie K is like, you guys, Oh my God. Monica was like, I was talking about how beautiful, Whitney is, but I'll stay on your tongue. And Lisa's like, I wasn't talking to you. It's like two children. Lisa in a confessional is like, Monica's this little vampire who's fueled 100% off of like negative energy. It's like, give me a problem and I'll fucking feed off it. She is like horrible. When he's like, I love 
jewelries and um, the partners and um, designers and spiritually intuitive people. It's chakras. Uh-huh. Ego woman. And Monica's like, maybe that's what we need. Just, you know, positive, you know, and Angie Kay's like, I think we need more of this chakra shit. And then they, Monica and Angie Kay laugh and Lisa sees them joking and she's like fuming. You just see Diet Coke spilling out of her ears. She's upset. She starts to walk away and Angie Kay grabs her arm and Lisa's like, don't touch me. Don't touch me, Angie Kay. And Lisa's like, Lisa, don't. I don't need this. Lisa, don't leave. Whatever she's got going, I don't think it's, I'm not interested in talking about her or to her. If that's where you want to go, I can't back you on that. These guys are at a spiritual store. This is like prism event and they are in a full blown fight. Whitney finally, and that's all I've got to say about that. Let's raise a glass to cheers. And she like, we will be doing a sound bath next. And I've done South sound baths before. It's, you know, and you kind of zone out. It's really nice. Monica to Angie K goes, are you okay? And Angie K's like, no, I'm not okay. You guys, I'm not okay. It's just, I've never been fought over in a scene like this. And Lisa's like, why? Why aren't you okay, Angie K? And Angie K's like, I can't be in the middle of whatever you guys have going on. You're not in the middle of anything. I don't like you guys going low like this. We're not in the middle of anything. And Angie K's like, you guys are going low. You, you're both going low with each other. And Lisa's like, who's going low? And Angie K's like, you went low with you. She went low with you last night. You both go low with each other. How many times are we going to say low? And Lisa's like, what am I saying that's going low? Nothing. I didn't jab at you one time. And Monica's like, you did, but it's fine. No. How did I jab? Explain it. And Monica's like, um, everything you said to Whitney. The sound bath begins. And they're quiet at first. And what if I just did this for like five minutes? And Lisa's like, I said, based on my assessment, you don't treat your mother nicely. You do not, Monica. And Monica's like, well, you don't know about that situation, Lisa. And Lisa's like, well, based on what I saw, you weren't nice to your mother. That's all I said. Well, based on what I see, Lisa, you like your minions. Oh my God, we're back to that. And Monica's like, and you're threatened by people wanting to take them. You don't know me. And Monica's like, stop putting Angie in the middle. She's not in the middle. And Angie Kay's like, I'm not in the middle. I'm not in the middle. And Lisa's like, I keep telling her to remove herself out of this. And Angie Kay is like, I can pull myself out of this. I can. And Lisa's like, yeah, you talked about her marriage, Monica. I took her side. It's not that deep, Monica. Don't make it deep. It's not that deep. So we get deep and low. It's not that deep. Let's go low, deep and low. I'm here at a sound bath, deep and low, deep and low. Sound bath. Oh, while Lisa and Monica, they're whispering, yelling at each other. Like Whitney's like, Lisa Barlow, shh. Lisa, stop. And Monica's like, Lisa. And Lisa's like, I want to enjoy the sound bowl. Excuse me. (laughs) Excuse me. But the sound bowl is playing. This is my favorite sound bowl song. And Monica's like, yeah, go ahead. Old people need it. Ooh, you guys. Old people need it. Angie K's like, okay, Monica, that's fucking low because I'm older than Lisa. Like, I love that. Angie's like, damn. And then she's like, oh, shit. Wait, no, no, no. Uh, I'm older. And Lisa comes back. Lisa's like, Monica, she's older than me. And so is Meredith. And so is Heather. And I love that Lisa is like, that's like, I've got my birth certificate. Are you kidding me? And Monica's like, yeah, but you wear it. You wear it. 
damn, like you look your like, oh my God. And Angie K's like, okay, though, that is so low. It's like low. And Lisa's like, I like to be natural. <laughs> and Monica's like, okay. And Lisa's like, I don't look like the Pillsbury Dough Girl. Sorry. And Monica's like, are you telling her that she does to Angie K? Oh, are you saying that about your friend? And Angie K is like, I think you're gorgeous. And Lisa's like, I do too. You're jealous. I think you're jealous. And Angie K's like, I'm pretty gorgeous. And Monica's like, Lisa, nobody's jealous of you. Control yourself, Monica. And we hear Whitney ask her business partner, should I ask them to leave? And right at this moment, you guys, I shit you not, the the golf cart just fucking crashes through the store. And little 13-year-old uh, Bobby is like, let my mom fucking have this event. You can tell she's all hopped up on Dr. Pepper. She's like, I fucking rode 10 miles on this golf cart to get here. I've got a full belly of Dr. Pepper and I'm ready to get it fucking loud. That didn't happen, but wouldn't that be amazing if just the golf cart crashes? Whitney in a confessional is like, I am beyond pissed right now. Where is Meredith Marks when I need her? And we get a flashback to the iconic, you can leave. That would be amazing if Bobby crashes through and Meredith is in the golf cart. She's like, you can leave. Whitney in a confessional is like, do not come for my sound bath. And Lisa's like, you're so triggered by your circumstances. And Monica's like, you're the one that keeps me in your mouth. And Lisa's like, I'm not interested. Please stop talking to me. And Monica's like, you don't get to tell me what to do. And Angie Kay's like, you guys have a problem with each other. Please stop talking to me. And Monica's like, you don't get to tell me what to do, Lisa. And Angie Kay's like, guys, let's just enjoy this beautiful sound bath. Please stop talking to me. And then Monica's mocking Lisa. Please don't talking to me. Lisa in a confessional is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, are you trying to abuse the sound bowl maybe you would be in a better mood if you didn't have to pay for drinks lisa's like i have zero interest monica and monica's like then stop talking about me it's that simple this is when you see a little bit of jen shaw in monica the sound bath oh it's still going on people are staring at lisa and monica whitney's obviously pissed she's like i'm trying to sell jewelry angie k's like just loving this little moment. And Lisa's like, look, I took your side. This is as far as it goes. It's not that deep. If somebody else needs like more action in their life, they can keep clinging to it. But it's not that deep for me. And Monica's like, Lisa, you're like a little tramp stamp. You beg for attention everywhere you go. You're bottom of the barrel. And Lisa's like, we were dealt the same deck of cards. She plays with the twos. She she plays with the twos. I play with the face card. Like, where did that come from? We're bringing gambling into this? And Monica's like, that is the lamest comeback oh my gosh and Andy's like okay Monica and Lisa's like if this is what mediocre looks like I am so happy being mediocre and Monica's like you are very mediocre and Lisa's like she clearly doesn't get out much she doesn't know how to behave in public and Monica's like you do realize there are several forms of intellectual capabilities in the brain and street smarts is actually the number one and you don't have that Lisa and the fact that I do challenges you and you hate it bitch and Lisa's like, ha, 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 And Monica's like, so don't even go there with me, literally. And then the sound bath finishes. Like, oh. And when he's like, I hope everyone set their intention and felt that. Um, I know if you were distracted back there, may they find peace. Thank you. And Lisa's like, I'm bored with you. I am bored with you. You are not bored, Lisa. Then stop talking about me. Okay, listen. I don't want to ever fucking talk about you again or to you. Stop talking to me. Stop talking to me. And Lisa's holding her hands up in Monica's face. And Monica's like, 
you put hands on people. And Lisa's like, stop talking to me. I'm asking you nicely. And Monica's like, business 101, stop talking to me. You realize you don't control me, right? And Angie Kay's like, both of you guys, stay calm. And Monica's like, I am calm. And Angie Kay's like, okay, you guys clearly don't like each other. Let's just know. Why do you keep saying stuff like that? Why are you saying that? And Angie Kay's like, you guys just don't like each other. Why are you saying that? And Angie Kay's like, don't let her set you off. And Monica's like, that's what everyone tells me, Lisa. Why are you saying this to me? You started this whole thing with Sean. You said she talked about your marriage. And Angie Kay's like, I know. And I just talked about that. She talked about your family, Angie Kay. So I took your side in that. And Angie Kay's like, and I did not like it. And I told you that. And Lisa's like, that's wrong. That's wrong. That is it. That's it. And Monica's like, let me tell you something. And Lisa's like, and the way you treat your mother is disgusting. Well, you should hear how my mother treats me, Lisa. You do the same thing. You talk abuse, but you abuse people. Lisa, do you hear yourself? I'm not even talking about her or to her. I don't assess her. It's not that deep. And Monica's like, yes, you do. It's not that deep. Whatever. And Monica's like, whatever. You have, you have made several snarky comments, Lisa, so let's not deny that. Let's talk about that. And Angie Kay is like, you both have made snarky comments. And Monica's like, exactly. And I own that. And Lisa's like, Ange, don't worry about this for one second. And Angie's like, oh, okay. And Monica's like, don't say okay. If you want to talk, be like, no, Lisa, I want to say. And Angie Kay goes, no, I'm staying out of both of you guys because I can't fix it. And Monica's like, she says, Ange, stay out of it. Stop. And Angie Kay's like, I can't fix it. And Lisa's like, do you need her? And Monica's like, do you? Don't silence her. And Angie Kay's like, I cannot fix what's going on here. Monica's like, she's her own fucking person. Don't tell her to be quiet. And you don't have to be, Angie. And Angie's like, I know. I can't fix this. Angie Kay just keeps saying, I can't fix it. I can't fix it. And Lisa's like, I don't want you to fix this. There's nothing to fucking fix. It's not that deep. You treated your mom like shit. You yelled at me. I'm going off of what I see in here. It's not that fucking deep, Monica. And Monica's like, then stop talking about me. I'm not talking. It's like, no, you stop. No, you stop. No, you stop. And Lisa's like, I'm not talking about you. And Monica's like, but that's not what I'm hearing. Do you understand? I gave my opinion. My opinion is exactly what I told you. And Monica's like, do you understand though? No, I don't understand. And Monica is like, okay, try to understand this. And Monica's waving her hand in Lisa's face. And Lisa's like, no, no, no. I don't need to try and understand this. And Lisa waves her hands in Monica's face. And now we're just doing like Panama. I mean, waving like fucking hands and faces and Monica's like Lisa keep your hand out of people's face and Lisa's like you just did this I'm doing it back and Monica's like yeah but you're like you get right in my face like this I'm a close talker and Angie's like you both you both you both are close talkers and Monica's like I'm just saying and Lisa steps right in front of Monica's face I'm a close talker and Angie's like hold on hold on stop it Ange and Angie's like separate separate and Whitney walks up and she's like would you like to buy any jewelry no and she's like you guys are blocking the checkout line and Lisa's like you want an issue with me? And Monica's like, you're not hearing me. Monica in a confessional goes, I actually like fighting in this environment. Like I fought in parking lots and in grocery stores. Okay. This is a classy place to fight. And I'm like, damn, this is what I'm telling you. We need the whole backstory on Monica. She's fighting in supermarkets, parking lots. Like this is, this is interesting. And Lisa's like, I think you're impossible to communicate with. And Monica's like, well, then we're the same person. And Lisa walks away with Whitney. And Lisa's like, Whitney, she's like very hard to have a conversation with. And Whitney's like, I know. And Lisa's like, it's like impossible to have a conversation with her because it's like, I didn't do that. I didn't mean that. And she's so loud. And I'm like, 
Wrong place, wrong time. I'm trying to get my sound bath on. Angie K and Monica sit down and Angie K is like, I don't even know what to say right now. This is not good. And Monica's like, I don't know. But do you see how she tells you to shut the fuck up and be quiet and don't talk? That's what I'm talking about. And Angie is like, well, she doesn't want me to speak on her behalf. And Monica's like, you weren't speaking on her behalf. You were telling her how you felt and she was telling you to shut up. And that's what I'm talking about. That's what I don't like. So it's interesting. We started off this fight and then it became this other fight about Lisa in the last minute telling Ange to like, uh, it was, it all of a sudden got switched. We're back to Whitney and Lisa and Lisa's like, listen, I find her impossible to talk to. Like, it's like your mama jokes. It's like, you're a piece of shit. You're ugly. You look 50. You look this. It's like mind numbing. I swear to God. It's like talking to, have you ever argued with your children? It's worse. And Lisa's like, I'm so irritated. This is in her confessional. This is unbelievable. Can Lisa just table Lisa for one minute? And Whitney, um, Whitney's like, we have a backup in the line, so I need to make sure everyone's moving through. I'm trying to make money. And Lisa's like, you know what I don't like? I have to get this off my chest. I don't like the fakery. We're back to Monji, Monji, Monica and Angie Kay. And Monica's like, you know I love you. You look beautiful. And Angie Kay's like, oh, thank you. And Monica's like, I appreciate you today. I got to go to my kids. That shit is whack. And Monica and Angie Kay hug. This is what, this show is, nobody's doing it like this show. This is fucking, we, this was a fight. This was a great Housewives fight. And then it's like, peace, got to pick up the kids. Lisa sees them hug and gets triggered. She's like, I'm turning into Lisa Hulk Barlow. And Lisa's like, hugging? Hugging it out? Like, this is so weird to me. I honestly think it's so weird. Like, you talked about her marriage, and I'm the bad guy because I'm defending Ange. Monica walks up and tells Whitney goodbye. And Whitney's like, are you leaving? Monica's like, yeah, thank you for coming. And Monica's like, bye, congratulations. Yeah, thank you, bye. Monica leaves. And Whitney's like, this event is about good vibes. And Lisa's like, it's ridiculous. Well, I got to go sell more jewelry. I've got to pay off little Bobby's um, golf cart. And Lisa's like, it's like crazy. It's whatever. And when he's like, are you... Are you, are you leaving? And Lisa walks out. Lisa's like, this is such bullshit. Next time on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, we see Heather hanging out with Mary Cosby and asking her if she really thinks that she looks inbred. And Mary's like, yeah, you do. We see Monica at her house with her kids, and then her mom shows up unexpectedly, and one of her daughters says, lock the door when you leave. It's a very dark scene. Then we see Whitney telling Lisa that she is mad at her and Monica. I'm mad at you and Monica for your behavior at my party. And Lisa's like, what about Angie Kay? I love Lisa always throwing somebody else under the bus. We see Lisa confronting Angie K about saying she doesn't like Monica, but then acting differently. And then Angie K, a lot of confrontations. Angie K confronts Lisa about pulling away from her at the bar when she tried to grab her arm. And then we see a scene that Heather is having yet another book party. Your book's called Bad Mormon. It's out now. And it looks like Angie K, who's Greek, confronts Meredith about the threats she made towards her family. Oh, you guys, what an episode. What? That is one for the ages. We did it, folks. We did it. I hope you have the best Thursday ever. Thank you. And remember to tune in Friday for an all-new Real Housewives of Beverly Hills recap. There's a lot of content coming at you. So remember, you can listen to these at any time, any place. Take them on vacation, whatever you need to do. But make sure you listen. And also remember to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, I really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for letting me do this. And uh, let me go crazy, and I will talk to you very, very soon. Soon, And also, shout out, thank you so much to DirecTV for letting me tweet for you guys at BravoCon. And, and uh, I actually, you, I was watching DirecTV this entire time I was talking to you. I had Salt Lake up on my computer screen. So I, I, uh, that's how I work, you guys. That's the magic. I'll talk to you soon, guys. Bye. So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. 
The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey at gmail.com and follow the show at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to Patreon.com forward slash SoBadIt'sGood. Stay bad, baddies. Betches.